back to Milwaukee for the 115th anniversary. All right, you heard it here, folks, the 115th anniversary. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is episode 102 of the uh, Creative Writing Podcast. With me tonight, brought to you by Speed Merchants, Randy's Donuts, and uh, Daily Bikers is the one and only Chris Wiggins, a.k.a. Hooligan Jesus, a.k.a. Whammon Wiggins. <laughs> Over here, and uh, I like that. I'm not sure what whammon means, but it yeah. sounds good. Yeah, it's like you know, like jamming Jared Meese and slamming Sammy Whammon Wiggins. It's the jamming whammon slamming show. All right, and uh, and I'm your host, the faithful host, uh, Bryce Thurgood the fourth. I don't know, junky fart face over here. And uh, hey, guys, it's been a minute since we've been with you. Last week was uh, I hope you I hope you get a chance to listen to the hundredth. That was a pretty awesome show, by the way. And uh, I feel like we did a pretty good job. We probably missed some of you here and there. And we probably missed some stories and some good episodes. So if you know of any of them, go ahead and uh, email me some hate mail. I know you guys never send Chris the hate mail. So email me all your hate mail of what I missed for the 100th. And we'll plug it into the 115th. How's that? And then um, I hope you heard the 101st because that was a pretty rad wrap up. We, didn't, we actually didn't do too shabby for being in a mobile studio. Like the audio turned out pretty good. It wasn't bad. Yeah. Compared to what I was hearing in the headphones, I was like, oh no, oh no. But this little recorder that I have does a pretty good job of cutting out all the junk. I forgot that I set it up to, to do that. So I'm pretty stoked on it. But yeah, so this week we're, uh, we're coming back and uh, we're starting, starting afresh, I feel like, at 102. And there's a few things I want to talk about. First off, happy Thanksgiving, Chris. I didn't. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. I know it's a couple weeks ago now, but that's how recording life goes. We we haven't yep. been in studio together, so uh, I did say on the last episode I'm thankful for my wife and your wife for <laughs> putting up with us talking motorcycle all the time. Hey everybody, I'm gonna jump in here real quick and uh, make an uh, addition to the show already. First edit. Um, I'd like to say, uh, talking about being thankful, we're having some crazy wildfire fires here right now in California, and uh, I made a stupid joke here, so I'm just cutting it out and going to put this in. Um, crazy Santa Ana winds fueling those wildfires, and I hope everybody in the motorcycle community is safe and uh, stays safe for the next few days. Um, I think at the end we mentioned the Chopper Fest, and I just want to say it's been rescheduled for February 14th, 2018. That's the uh, David Mann Chopper Fest. There's a couple things I did want to mention about the the Moto Show. I know Chris and I talked about what we saw at uh, IMS, and we didn't talk about Yamaha hardly at all. We 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 barely touched. They on didn't it. even have us go through Yamaha. Yeah, and that's the thing. For all the hubbub and hype that Yamaha was receiving at Eikma and the Tokyo Motor Show with the Nikon and their like motor road, they had at the at the Tokyo Show, and I want to say at Eikma too. They had the Motobot version two, which raced Valentino Rossi's lap times. They also had their Motoroid, which is their their futuristic. Remember, you know that Honda self balancing concept bike that actually does yeah. look kind of cool. Well, they have this really crappy futuristic looking Motoroid, and that is their version of it. And they didn't have that there, and that was like supposed to be like cutting edge new wave. They didn't have the Nikon, which is actually on their website for 2019 in North America. So I know they're going to be selling it. And I just thought that's so. Well, weird. they're going to put it in dealerships anyway. Oh, they are. And I don't know if they're going to be selling it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, good. That's a good caveat. Is uh, it'll be it'll be for sale, but if it sells, that's or another. it'll be. Who's I listening? Oh, Cleveland. It'll be their PT Cruiser. 
one or the other. <laughs> yeah. Hey, speaking of the PT Cruiser, that thing was supposed to be like so cool. Uh, it's, it's the same thing as the Chevy SS. Do you remember that weird truck? Well, the SS was like a lot nicer. But the thing with the PT Cruiser, like they said, they sold like a million of them. The best part was I was literally like listening to that podcast in my truck. And as soon as they said PT Cruiser, out my window parked on the side of the road was a PT Cruiser. Yeah. And I was I, like, that's how crazy those cars are. Yeah. No, they're everywhere. My, my friend had one. I think had two of them. And so shitty uh, they couldn't uh, get away from them. And yeah, that is basically what the Nikan's going to be. I'm not 100% sure what they... Or it'll be their RE5. Yeah. <laughs> the one that almost kills the company. Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing that I thought is kind of funny is, well, A, like we were talking about, they didn't even have it there. And that was like their big thing. That was their big news. And that's actually what the guys at Front End Chatter uh, spent a lot of time talking about on one of their last episodes was finally somebody doing something crazy in motorcycling. You know what I mean? With with the uh, uh, OEM, not not uh, yeah somebody. There's there's plenty of guys that make leaning trike Harley front ends that you buy. You take off your triples and everything, and you bolt these like front ends up that actually have like a cantilevered leaning. So I mean, the aftermarket this stuff has existed, and in like basement builders. But for an OE to actually embrace it, and then th- for them to not even have it at probably what I'm going to call the most important North American show, because AIM, yeah. AIM is what it is. There's not everybody at AIM, but usually everybody's at IMS. So I was wondering if they're going to un- reveal it at New York, but I think New York happened last weekend, or maybe it's happening this weekend, and there's still no no news about it. And so it's like, okay, like I don't know, but they didn't have... Uh, they didn't have a lot of the stuff there. Uh, did they have the cruisers there? Did Did you see them? I briefly walked through Yamaha, yeah. but I didn't really. Again, like they didn't talk to us, so I didn't really pay attention. Yeah, because there was nothing that I wanted to see there. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. well, they <laughs> didn't did have an XSR seven. Uh, I want to say seven fifty, but I think it's a seven hundred based off the MT seven hundred. Yeah, the the MT not FC. Yeah, based on the MT seven. Um, so I, we saw one of those there in, in Flo's Cafe, and so I remember that. And I remember walking right by. I sat like on a WR250 uh, or something like that. I remember. I mean, I looked at the Yamahas, and same thing as you, though. Like I really didn't commit it to memory because we just kind of walked through there a couple times, and I looked at them and was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know. And then like we'll get back to these, and we never did, you know. Yeah. And so I was thinking, that is so weird. Yeah, it just amazed me. So. There's been a couple things on the internerds that I've seen that coming from Yamaha that really um, kind of, you know, not quite Nikan crazy, but the Super Hooligan bike that they built. And I don't, they didn't have it at the show, but um, they built, they built, yeah, they built. Super um, Hooligan's a copyrighted name. You can't say that. Well, without it, you have to pay someone royalties. Yeah, <laughs> it is. The uh, uh, Cycle News is paying ro- ro- Roland Sands or whoever gets the royalties every time you say Super Hooligan National Flat Track Series. They're getting the royalties. So, <laughs> Cycle News, you can pay my royalties to <laughs> Roland Sands. But it's the um, the SCR nine fifty Super Hooligan racer that they built. I haven't it, seen that yet. Yeah. So, I don't know if you know who Jeff Pelegi is. Oh, yeah, I've saw it. In person, probably. Um, I might have been at Bolsa Chica. Yeah, I saw it when the, he couldn't make turn two. And oh, I, and yeah. I cut under him. Okay. And he, I, yeah. I, saw him, I saw him jump the start real big. Oh, and- boy. Well, the reason I was, when I was reading this article, I started to laugh because it mentioned some of the- That's based off the bolt, isn't it? Yeah. The, and Well, the SCR is based off the bolt. And when the bolt first came out, Jeff Pelegi built a 
bitchin' looking street tracker. He's one that built the DT7 that was the concept at IMS a couple of years ago, and they had it there again this year. Like I that one was still they, in the stock frame, though, right? That DT7 they built. It, it was like a it was like a weird framer. It was. Oh, a, was it? Yeah, okay. it was like it was. But it was legit, when Yamaha actually. Yeah, it was a legit like Yamaha. Yeah. Factory built flat tracker and Sammy it, Halbert was on Yamaha's a lot of this year. Yeah, it was on that motor. I yeah, mean, yeah, for sure. And that's like probably a better frame. But yeah, JD Beach was there and Cameron Bobier. So it was when they were both. It was not this last year, but I think the year before that. It must have been 2015 because it was Super Prestigio year, and they rolled that DTO seven out, and everyone like lost their shit because it was a factory legit flat tracker, right? But they never. It's it never, was, but then they never did. Yeah, anything they never with did it. it. <laughs> and I saw it there this year. I forget where it was sitting, but it might have been one of those bikes that was in the Yamaha booth that I was like, oh yeah, I've seen that. Like, but where's the new stuff? And then just walked right through it. So this guy talks about if you go to Cycle News, um, Rennie Scray's book, who is their. Uh, Isla Man, not Isla Man. He, um, their Pikes Peak guy that raced um, on the, I think it was the project, one of the Project 156s or the Impulse 156 or something like that. I forget which one he rode, but he went up um, Pikes Peak year before last and was going for the win. And I think he crashed out and didn't make it, but he was like a hopeful. He's also their like road test editor, and he's a racer. Him and him and um, like Don Kinney are, are buddies, and they race. And so he was talking about I, I when I when I as soon as I read this article, I flashed back to what you were talking about about Bolsa Chica because he said that he got the whole shot, and I was like, wait, I think on our episode, Chris said he got the whole shot a couple times. It depends what you call the whole shot. Yeah, a lot of people call the whole shot the first bike into turn one, but if you can't turn and come out of two, <laughs> did you really get the whole shot? Right. And so he said. That um, he he high sighted himself on Roland Sands uh, Super Hooligan Indian Scout, and he was laying in the middle of Costa Mesa Speedway on his back, thinking like this ain't cool. But he didn't break Roland's bike. But Cycle News is like, listen, we need our own street tracker. We can't keep wrecking Roland's and no, you can getting right. Yeah, (laughs) is it because it's Indian? Because I mean, I actually dig Yamahas, you know. And uh, this SCR when it first came out, it's one of the Yamahas. I thought like I do too, but that whole thing. I'm going to go on my own tirade. Like that whole thing is what's wrong with hooligan racing. You put a guy on that bike that thinks he knows what he's doing and he's fast, but he really has no clue like how heavy and uncapable a hooligan bike is. Yeah. And well, he basically is a bowling ball. And like, he, that's exactly what that guy did at Bolsa Chica. Yeah. And he's a uh, road racer. So, I mean, he's had his fair shares of probably like crashes and stuff over the years as he's, you know, but he's a pretty good road racer, but I know that doesn't translate always over into it does, but going fast. Patience doesn't always transfer very well. And it's like <laughs> these guys come out, he's not the only one. You know, these guys come out that are hired guns that are professional motorcycle riders and they're super fast and super talented. And you put them on a bike that weighs four hundred and fifty pounds and they think they're fast and mm-hmm. they're not as fast as they think. Yeah. And they just like they do that. They high side or they, you know, like it, they're just all over the place, causing a ruckus. Yeah, I'm gonna let you read some of this while I tittle on about. Uh, I, I picked up some new words from the guys at the interview at the IMS. By the way, those British guys that and the Australian guy Roger and Jeff. Oh, they gave me some new uh, slang. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tittle on a wee bit about this while I let um, <laughs> I let Chris read some of the article that. I- 
Okay, the, it definitely features you in there if you if you scroll down. So I'm not going to give you guys the whole story because it's copyrighted and I'm not going to read it. But if you go to Cycle News um, and just type in, you know, Hooligan Racer, you'll get to their build. And Jeff Pelegi, he he built like I said when the Bolt first came out. They had the Bolt biker build off um, in 2013 and 14 and 15 to get the Bolt like on its feet and get get it recognized. And he built one of the best looking flat trackers from a from a bolt um platform and he does a lot of yamahas like he does just crazy cool yamaha builds i think he he is the one that built the dt07 so he built this bike for cycle news and um there's a whole write up in there about what they did they didn't have to do too much to it cuz the scr is kind of stands for scrambler and it's already a 900 so it already fits the super hooligan rules and it's already comes with um laced wheels so they just put bigger hoops on it and uh, you know, in in there in the write up, you can hear all the stuff they did to it, but it looks pretty awesome. And then and then it features some some restarts and hole shots that uh, were not corroborate, corroborated by my uh, trusty co-host. No, here. he's right. He definitely jumped. I mean, got hole shots. Yeah, he may have jumped a few times too. <laughs> um, and he he would be into turn one first. He was also sitting on the pole in the B main, which makes it a, on on a track that's under an eighth mile in in size. It makes it a lot easier to be the first one into turn one. Yeah. Um, he just rarely made it out of turn two in the lead. And if he did, he never made it out of turn four in the lead. Yeah. Well, down there in the middle of the article, it says that on the second start, he got boxed in before some gentleman. Still no who, idea who it was. So I'd like to see the tape to see if there was a number nine on that number late. But it says they cut uh, right across him and took him out. And no, I, I didn't hit anyone. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's my job. Yeah. Your job is to, to get away clean. So yeah, somebody cut, out, cut his uh, front wheel. And it, he says that he fell down in front of the uh, other ten oncoming bikes, and you know they all weigh at least you know, at least four hundred something pounds, you know. Yeah. And so he said he felt four solid hits, but the big one um, that hit his hip, somebody used him as like a ramp, and they jumped off him. And, and uh, he said he hurt like hell. Um, Cameron Brewer uh, picked him up. Cameron Brewer actually helped um, help them engineer this bike a little bit. Who's a Roland Sands guy? He helped them build this Yamaha somewhat. And I think that's one of the guys that ran into him too. Yeah, the the freaking the uh, the handlebar jammed into Cameron's seat, and he dragged it halfway down the back straight before he kicked it off in a shit show par excellence. It says <laughs> so. So yeah, it sounds like it was a pretty good race. He got back on and finished. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, he says it was pretty bashed up after the crash, but it gave it uh, gave him more motivation. So I'm not 100 percent sure if he finished or where he finished, but um, it was a pretty good ride up. And I just got a kick out of that because that's something that I do like to see coming out of Yamaha. I like to see him not just building crazy stuff that like the Nikan and stuff like that that may, like Chris said may not sell. I like to see stuff that is gonna you know a bike that they take and turn into a, a hooligan flat tracker and you can do the same or i've seen plenty of write-ups of the scr out on fire trails and stuff like that and i thought i don't know for for the style of what's kind of hot right now that would be something worth a friend building. of mine and fellow hooligan racer actually bought one of the scrs and that's what he does is like fire roads God, and commutes on it it's so rad um no it's super cool to see Yamaha involved. To me, it's a bummer when they're like, "Oh, you guys know a pro rider here? Here's a bike." I was instead of like, "Hey, let's put some dirt ball on it." Yeah, but that's the other thing is that Rennie Scraisebrook. When I read it, I was like, oh, "He's he's not a flat track pro, but he, I mean, he is a pro racer." You know what I well, mean? And the thing is, too, 
I I'd put a hundred dollars down that says he won't do anything besides an RSD event. So like, if you're going to come out and be a part of it, be a part of it. Like, don't be a part of it in the like, Hey, everybody look at me events. Like go be a part of it. Like if it's something you want to do, like do it. But there's so many people that come out just for like those events. Cause it's a popularity contest instead of like coming out and racing. And you know, maybe it's a thing like, you know, with myself and you know, the guys we've had on the show before Eric and Tony want me to go road race my Dyna. And I'm like, I race all the time. I don't want to add more racing to the schedule. Yeah, I know. It's one thing to do a track day, and it's the next thing to like step up into another money losing venture, right? Yeah, right. But to Cycle News' credit, I mean, hell, Jeff Pelegi built it. That's almost like having Roland Sands build uh, a bike for you. But it is cool to see that somebody's doing it with the Yamaha, and everybody's talking about the Harley and Indian battle. Um, What's the CC on the Bolt on that motor? They're 900. they are 50s aren't they? okay they're 900s they're 900s yeah so they're almost as big as the indian they're definitely bigger than the xgs i wonder what the horsepower <laughs> output is yeah it's funny because the code the model code on those is the xv95 i want to say but in the, on there they just call it the scr 900 but i i believe they are close to 950 hmm. um i think it'd be a good bike like it probably handles pretty decent um yeah, no, uh, and the bull, you know, the bolt when it came out, I thought, dude, finally it's a cool platform. I saw the potential there as a flat tracker when it first came out. And then when, when they did that, Roland built a couple of them too because they were there that Yeah, he that was in that little year. bike build the yeah, first year. Yeah, the first year. I do want to read something out from the Cycle News website. Yeah. Sun rims are light, Jeff says. Everyone uses them because they're about the lightest thing you can stick on a bike like this. Flat trackers don't run light wheels. Just a little tech tip for everyone in listener land. The hot setup for a pro flat track bike is a heavy rear wheel. Yeah. Like you need flywheel momentum and you need traction, right? The, the quote I heard was it's like someone is pushing down on the back of your bike. Right. Uh, It does depend on the track. Yeah. But you go throwing the lightest wheel possible. You're just going to spin it up all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have a spoiler. You know, think yeah. of like an F1 car or a moto. But it's not, it's more the centrifugal force yeah. inertia, I think. Yeah, but that's the flywheel that I was talking about, is that the rotating mass yeah. probably the helps. pros have a, either a 38 or 42 or 45 pound limit on the rear wheel. Yeah. Do you like, remember Brian Smith got in trouble for that? Yeah, he got DQ'd. He got DQ'd and he got, he said we submitted the paperwork and they okayed it <laughs> because it makes such a big difference on where the weight is placed and they yeah. did it in the wheel rather than anywhere else, you know. So contrary to popular belief, light <laughs> wheels aren't always fast. <laughs> See, I think that's the road racer part of him being a weight weenie. Oh, for being, sure. And yeah. on the road racing and on a lot of racing, like light wheels are faster. And I'm sure a light front wheel is nice, but um you got a lot of gyro effects too when you got no rear brake and you got the wheels the bike sideways. So even a heavy front wheel might be nice. But yeah. They claim it helps it bite out of the corner. Yeah. So that's our flat track uh, insights. Tip on, of the week. Uh, yeah, tip of the week. And we'll probably get into a little flat tracking later. One more bike I wish we would have seen at, um, uh, oddly enough, Zero wasn't there, and they're usually there. But one more bike I wish we would have seen was this bike called the Vins Ducey. Oh, I'm going to mess this up so bad. The Vin Ducinquanta. And I always used to laugh at other podcasts that messed up pronunciations but this one's actually kind of hard when you see it but anyway it's a it's 5x um ferrari uh designers and they got together and they they a couple years ago they submitted one of these bikes i saw you know this is a couple of years ago through you would like, think five ferrari designers could have designed something that looked good oh dude i think that looks like a yamaha mixed with the ducati don't you it's well, got the two little round front ends like the last 
version th- of the R R one. I think it looks like a gross version of those two. <laughs> and I, you can tell it's a rendering because it's got a two stroke pipe. It's a two stroke. Oh, they. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's and a, a it's, single front brake. It's a two fifty cc. It's a two forty four cc two stroke, but it makes just three horsepower less than this uh, one seventeen Milwaukee eight. This thing's pumping out ninety horsepower, and I just re- went to Cruiser Magazine to see their dyno pull on the one seventeen, and it's making ninety three point two. So this little two fifty V twin. Two stroke is making um, 90 freaking horsepower. It's got a cantilevered rear end, sort of like a Formula V. Well, that doesn't look as rendered. The front no, part no, looks it's real. It's the real. first picture looks all rendered. Yeah, you know, one of those studio. It's like one of those stupid studio shots. They actually had it. They had they they debuted it. Um, they took the wraps off it again at Milan, at Eichmann, I believe, this year. And last year or the year before, they had a hundred cc version, and then they had a. This year, they brought their two fifty. And um, like I said, it's really it's two forty four, but it's two stroke. Um, they got all the Formula One. You know, in Formula One, displacement it still is looks kind of gross. Well, yeah, I mean, I I, I, d- I dug it because to me <laughs> to be all critical. The I yeah, the front end looks Yamaha to me, but it also because of the round headlights and the slit. But it also yeah. looked a little bit Ducati eight forty eight to me. I would just the field if there's going to be five Ferrari designers, I. Maybe my expectations were too high. Well, it's angular like a Ferrari F1. Yeah, the single, I didn't really think of that, the single brake. The thing is, um, I should go to the website and trade the pics. It's got the exact front end of a BMW. It's got, so it's got like a- All the linkage? Yeah, so it's got like a solid front fork with, uh, yeah, there's the motor. It's a V, tw- like a, it's like an L-twin sort of, but a V yeah. with two little, it looks gross. But the um, it's got to be what's the new one the transfer port fuel injection is oh yeah that's the, where the KTM the, is running right the direct port yeah and there's well, the not fr- even direct port KTM I think was transfer ports oh, really? which are the ones on the side of the cylinder yeah that's that's the ones that I, the one that I saw from their prototype was from the top but I think at the show they did say transfer port you said yeah. transfer because there's intake port which maybe in their defense if you put the fuel injection in the transfer port. Does the air, maybe the air still goes in uh, intake port? I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. Then, but I know, I do know like use, with two strokes, there, yeah, there's no oil yeah, anymore. There's no mix. And that's yeah. what the KTM dude said. He's like, you can go on a ride without worrying about carrying oil with you. Yeah, it's basically, that's rad, yeah, it's the front end they poached kind of from BMW. Yeah. The body work they poached from Yamaha and Ferrari. And I was like, why don't we see more bikes like this, more two strokes? Because KTM is making two strokes. That are legal still to buy here in the states. So I mean, this this is. I think if, you, if they, I mean, if they can clean up two strokes, they yeah. will come back pretty heavy, and and so, then they'll be killed by electric. Yeah, <laughs> I know they're going to come back right in time to get killed <laughs> by electric. So when I see this sort of stuff, and then I see stuff like we saw at IMS, you know, like the like the the Goldwing was awesome, you know, and all the new stuff they're doing to the Goldwing. But everything else, like in comparison to what I've been seeing online, like why? Well, what's the price tag on that thing? This is just concept right now. I don't mm. think they're selling it, dude. Are you kidding me? Five Ferrari designers. This thing probably cost three million dollars. <laughs> they're like, we made two because it cost. <laughs> so is it a totally? It looks like a totally new motor design. That yeah, you know what? Uh, supposedly it's from the ground up. I can't read Italian, and when when you mm-hmm. get directed to the website, it's all in Italian. So I can't read it. But yeah, if you look at that, there's no. That's not yeah, an existing. It looks like a new. The motor, the chassis is all carbon and like monocoque. You know what I mean? So it's literally all one piece. The tail section, the frame, 
and the um, fuel tank, all of that is like one piece. And I, and I don't really think the fuel tank's a fuel tank. I think it's it's like every other fuel tank now, where the, the air, the radiator sits underneath it, and part of the intake for the. Um, but yeah, if you look at the body, it's literally all one piece that pops off like a hmm. Ertl model. You know what I mean? So or a lot like, of MotoGP bikes are like that too. It's like two screws and the body comes yeah, off. Yeah, quick quick uh, disconnect, literally. Or an F1 front end. So yeah, just like pull the whole front clip off. Or actually, I saw a Ferrari photo the other day, and like they were putting a clutch in it, I think. But the entire rear end of the car was off, because like, right, the whole rear end bolts to the transaxle, yeah. I guess, and yeah. the transmission, which bolts to the motor. Yeah. So the entire rear of the car just bolts to the motor. Yeah, and if you see some of the Le Mans cars, like any any time you watch like the Le Mans anymore like that's how it is the whole the whole back of the car comes off as like one piece because that's just how it bolts like rear wheels and everything and then just like yeah four bolts front clip dude i bet you there's like a quick quick disconnect on the steering because i bet you they're not physically connected anymore it's all electronic nowadays so it's all servos so i bet you can pop the front end off and the back end off and just have the chassis there like kicking it you know like front clip rear clip middle um yeah that's Luckily, motorcycles haven't gone to that yet, but dude, that quick disconnect now means like you just replace the back end of the car, <laughs> basically. But so yeah, when I when I was looking at this stuff, I was thinking, why haven't why we didn't see any of this stuff at the show? You know what I mean? We didn't see any cool, crazy stuff. We just saw this. We saw a variation. We saw updates, but we didn't really see like eye popping. Even the Nikon, as cheesy as it is, uh, everybody was like going, "Wow, at least they're doing something different." And it would have been, you know, it would have been cool to sit on and see. Yeah, for sure. I would have, you know, I would have definitely liked to seen what it was like to actuate that. Like, I would have loved to tip it back and yeah. forth and seen because when you look at how that thing works, it's crazy. Yeah, I don't um, get it. The suspension is linked to the front end, and the front end has like two. You know what it is. It's like a pair of triple clamps set sideways, and then they pivot here mm. and they pivot here. So each one of those shocks is set up on a different um, plane, like a different axis. Axis, and when you you steer the front, you're not really steering a triple. You're steering like a um, you're steering basically some tie rods that go down to these triples that are have been flipped on the the axis is flipped, and they pivot like this. And that's how they can lean. It's because the shocks lean over because you're rotating a fork. Through the triple this way, basically. <laughs> Me and these hand signals, you guys can't see what I'm saying, but go to go to Yamaha's website. They have a video on there showing you uh, like one of those computer animations of the front end leaning. It's pretty trippy, and I would have loved to seen that. Also, I like, just wonder like the benefit of that. I have no idea. Like, yeah, what I wonder the hell that's worth. Like with Piaggio's scooter, like you would know kind of who's going to buy it. Yeah, and then. I mean, is listen this, to the motorcycles and misfits. You, you will hear <laughs> them talking about. Is this something that Yamaha thinks non motorcycle people are going to buy? Because maybe it's me, but I don't think motorcycle people are going to buy it. Like they claim it rails corners, but I'm like, you can only lean it so far. Yeah, I would love to rail a corner on it. I would love to rail a corner on a freaking Kawasaki, you know, ZX14R, like. You're doing a corner, you're doing a corner. It doesn't really matter what you're on. I mean, it would be kind of weird to see how that thing was and see if you could tip it over or fall over it, and I'm sure you could. Like, you can you can rail a corner in a car. It's 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 kind of like been done. Like, I don't see the benefit of it, really. I, I don't either. Yeah. Because I think non-motorcycle people that want to go motorcycling are going to buy, like, maybe it's just my 
boring point of view, but a Can-Am spider. Yeah. I mean. Or a slingshot, but to me that's more the Miata yeah. crowd. Oh, dude, yeah. Like I would love to get my hands on a slingshot. Nicole Marlboro. <laughs> <laughs> but I um, think, yeah, I, I don't know like your demographic with the Nikon, like who's supposed to buy that thing. Yeah. And what's your price point since you have two sets of forks and two front wheels and a crazy looking engineer yeah. friend? Yeah. Exactly, and when I looked on their website, of course, it's a 2019 model, so they don't have the price point yet. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you're if it's going to be the same as like one of their Star Eluder baggers, I'm going to pick that because like I can haul a pillion and a bunch of shit, you know. So I don't get it. I don't get if it's supposed to make you feel more confident or more comfortable because in that case, I mean, isn't wearing like wouldn't selling crazy gear. Uh, and an IMU laden bike that can't tip over like one of those uh, gyro bikes, wouldn't that be more, um, you know what I mean? Like if you're really trying to go for people to enhance their experience and make it so they don't feel uncomfortable, wouldn't you be going for that more than the, like th- three wheels doesn't make it more stable, I guess is what I'm getting at. It's like a false sense of security. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. think so. Yeah. I, it's totally weird. I, I guess we'll just have to wait till 2019 and see. When we get a test ride it. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, it'll either be their RE5 or their PT Cruiser. <laughs> yeah. And uh, a bike we did see is uh, the Royal Enfield. We talked about it. I, I mentioned that's the first bike I crashed, and I lied because as a kid, I had a dirt – well, not as a kid, but I had a dirt bike, and you kind of crash those all the time. Wheelied that thing through a fence, actually. It was pretty fun. But um, but on the street, that was the very, very uh, first bike I ever crashed. And I just saw something um, – on moneycontrol.com about Royal Enfield. Royal Enfield may sacrifice its signature thump to save the planet. And if you go back to creative writing, I'm not going to look it up right now, but I did a write-up last October um, of 2016 when BMW did its um, Next 100 exposition here in LA because they were saying how Germany... It's been in the news a bunch too. Germany, um, most of Europe actually, is going to try to move away from vehicles that are uh, internal combustion engine by 2020, not 2020, well, they said 2020, but 2030 and 2040. And that is literally, you know, 10, 12 years away. So by the time you're buying your next car or bike, it'll probably be that it better be an electric or you're not going to be able to ride in these countries. And last year we saw Paris ban motorcycles and cars over a certain year period and then only on weekends can they drive through because for the tourist industry that would kill it so they're like well we can't like ban it altogether but you can only ride stuff like that on the weekends now and during the week like if you're a commuter or you work in the city or live in the city if, it, if it's a certain year you can't take it into the city and I think there's a couple other cities that did that too and it's because of pollution and I mean India, uh, Mexico City had some of the worst pollution until they started putting these they had to put crazy smog laws into place where you can you each family um, has like five cars. It looks like a freaking used car lot because you can only drive car number one on like Wednesdays and Thursdays. Well, that was actually Bogota, Colombia did that. It yeah. was, uh, or at least in Colombia, it wasn't necessarily a smog thing, it was a traffic thing. Yeah. So they're like, okay, if you own a car and your license plate's an even number, you can drive these four days that, and if it's yeah. an odd number you can drive the other three days and then the next week it rotates yeah but all that did was maybe kind of what you were saying with the family owned five cars so all that did yeah. was um rich people bought two cars yeah. and everyone else was yeah. screwed i worked with some people when i worked at a body shop and they lived in tj 
and that was the rule in TJ was that certain cars on the license plate like registration had certain color stickers and excuse me you could only drive this car Monday and Thursday. So then they'd have to buy a Tuesday and Saturday car. And then mm-hmm. it, and luckily, you know, there's like five people in the family. So you're you're not usually all buying all using one car at once. So it was like cool, like I only I walk to school anyway or I carpool to school. So you honey, you take the car anywhere or you have two like you're saying mm-hmm. you have two cars and they ended up having like five cars for four of them because they had two old clunkers and then they bought like two new ones just so that they could like commute and then they would carpool a lot. So I mean yeah. it did encourage carpooling but it also encouraged them to buy like f- five cars yeah. when there was only four when there was four or five of them in the house. And I know here in America a lot of times people have one car per every person in the house of driving age anyway. So it kind of wasn't like a odd thing for me but when they told me why they had to have so many I was like man yeah so it basically doesn't really um encourage anything but that's what companies or countries have started to do because of traffic and smog and Mexico City has cleaned up a lot and that's why they outlawed the Beetle finally in 2004 you know they quit making them but they, then they outlawed them you can't drive Volkswagens around anymore there's just like I was actually reading that uh, Porsche is trying to go all electric by 2030 the yeah. whole company Porsche and which I is, think is a, 12 years it is and I think it's a huge deal for a company like Porsche that has this like performance legacy and you know we'll talk about it more where i think electric is performance but being a not luxury in like a mercedes bells and whistles type of luxury but like a luxury car in like a it's usually not your only car type luxury car and you buy it for like the performance and for the driving experience yeah so for a company like that to be like we're gonna go all electric by 2030 I think that's huge. Like that's a big, a bold statement from a company like that. And all the German companies, that's what the, my episode was, the the podcast episode was called The Germans Are Coming, but I also did a separate write-up because it was such a big deal that the German, I forget what it was called. It was a long German word, the Verhundelskrunkel, but it was like the German Senate basically or Congress was saying that our country period is going to go electric and uh, we actually, I have a contact at um, Electrify America, who uh, is basically like a Volkswagen, com- a Volkswagen subsidiary or whatever, and BMW, um, BMW, the Volkswagen Group who owns Volkswagen and Audi and uh, Porsche and um, who the hell else? Oh, Mercedes. They're all striving to go completely electric in all markets. Yeah, you know what I mean. And and so the thing is, is like getting infrastructure down in those markets prior to that. And in Europe, it's a lot more uh, prevalent than it is here. Um, I think. Are we going to work into that segment then? Oh yeah. Okay. And in and in India, the thing, the Royal Enfields that we saw at the show, the 650 and the Himalayan, breaking. You know, they've only had 300s and 500s forever, and now they come out with these new. Um, crazy motors right at a time when India is doing the exact same thing. And India has a timeline of, uh, you know, I think that theirs is like even sooner. It's at least 2030. They want to they do um, full electric because India is also a com- country that I read about a long time ago. People were burning trash in the streets, yeah. burning tire. I mean, it was, it was one of those countries like in the, in the late, 80s or early 90s, I forget. I was a kid when I read about it, and it was like National Geographic, and there was a picture, and you couldn't even see like 
a quarter mile. If it was, if it was a drag strip, you could see to the tree and then like maybe the 60 foot box and that was it. Cause the smog, people were literally had the, the population so big and there's so much and so smog. dense too. It's crazy. Yeah. The population density, which means the vehicle density and all that stuff. There was just, you, it was, you couldn't see and it was unhealthy. And where we live here in LA, there's a huge um, Asian population from India, China, um, and a lot of like Eastern Asian cu- countries that live here, and they all have masks on. And I think it's a carryover from those countries like China and India where you have crazy pollution and they grew up with that and you never went outside without a mask, so they just always wear it here. Mm-hmm. And LA is no, I mean, we have a lot of people here and you can see the smog on some days. Yeah. And so the famous like Royal Enfield Thump is going to be supposedly going away pretty soon. So be- they just did a twin and they're already <laughs> trying to kill it. That's what I'm saying. They, and and the, uh, it says in the next five to eight years, they're looking at battery prices coming down and Royal Enfield's going to start looking into it. They, they know it's long-term. They know it's coming. They're not really trying to fight it, but they're just saying, well, like right now, we just came out with this mm-hmm. freaking twin. And they were just talking about how people aspire to get those bikes in India because of the sound. And I went to the internet today and this channel you might have heard of called YouTube. And I looked up, uh, you know, the old cast iron, um, the old, old, the old ones before like 2012 or 14, whenever they redid them. Uh, the cast iron ones have this really distinct thump. And that's what people are looking for, kind of like people search out certain your Harleys here. It's just this loud, crazy thump, and it sounds like a Harley sort of. Um, and it's like, dude, that's all going to go away. That that mm-hmm. very distinctive thing that is Royal Enfield, they're looking toward like electric. And that led me down the goat path, and it led me, you know, all over the internet. And it's funny because you and I uh, talking about IMS once again. We we were just there. We just we ran into the editor and uh, the publisher of Roadrunner magazine. She threw me a copy, and it was talking. There's an article in there that they're doing a little series. This dude's riding across the U.S. on a zero, following the same. Uh, path that George Wyman rode on his Californian motorcycle back in 1903. And this is before roads, this is before highways, this is before even like wagon paths made it all the way across. I mean, we were a a very new state, uh, had, you know, just come out of ownership from Mexico and Spain actually, you know, and like there was more missions than there were freeways at the time. And this dude rode from San Francisco to New York on a one- 0.25 horsepower bike, I think it was. And it was basically just a motorcycle with like a lawnmower engine on it. Uh, And he rode across um, basically what was the the land at the time following the... um, a lot of times he had to follow. He couldn't make it through the sand half the time, and then it was raining and the sand turned to mush. So he had to follow the railroad tracks. And he said that he rode uh, across the railroad tracks and... On the ties, though, like not next to it, like on the ties, and they weren't sunk into the ground like they used, like they are now. They were like a freaking six inch between these ties. And so I was reading one of the paragraphs from his book. I think it was called Across America on a Motorcycle. Very, very, uh, very, very creative for back in 1903. And he said he had to dismount often because the pain in his kidneys and his internal organs was so bad. And it took him like two months to get across the country or something like that. So this guy um, in Roadrunner Magazine's doing it on a zero, 
which basically probably has the same runtime miles wise <laughs> as a, as a old motorcycle back in those days and there's parts where he didn't have gas so i'm sure there's parts where this dude doesn't have electricity it's the wild west is still a little bit wild it's pretty it, open too yeah it's and nuts. half of this crap that he's going through is still uh you know uninhabited because the, the railroad goes through there and not much else and uh, it's so funny i was just listening to cleveland moto number 175 and they were talking about that they had a guy on their show that was a um was a mechanic on some of these old bikes that do like the cannonball and and the uh, the gumball rally and all that stuff. So uh, they were talking about all these old bikes they work on, and they actually happened to mention George Wyman too. But the fact that George uh, Wyman did it on you know a little gas motorcycle, and John Flores is doing it on a zero, it was pretty crazy to me. And uh, that leads me to Wiggins and I actually had our own experience on a zero a few weeks ago. And I think we'd like to talk a little bit about electric vehicles and zeros and all that crazy, crazy stuff. Hey guys, my name is Rick James. I'm a local artist here in Oceanside. We're having an art show. It's called Art Ride CA. You can find that on Instagram. We'll be at Legacy Brewing at 363 Airport Road, Saturday, February 24th, next year. I'm I'm not sure if America's going to do it by 2030 or 2040, especially with the guy who's in office now kind of repealing, like, uh, like rolling back a lot of EPA stuff. Right. Like... But the car manufacturers that we talked about are doing it and deciding to go that Europe's going all battery. They're not. They're going to make it all battery for all markets. So that's what's going to happen. We're not really going to have a choice. They're just going to be. That's what's available. You know why I buy? Why I bought CDs when CDs were out because that was what was available. There wasn't like streaming or MP3s, right? So when there's only available um, stuff is electric, you're not going to really have a choice. So a couple of weeks ago. Wham and Wiggins and I, we went down and uh, test rode some zeros. We talked to Crazy Carl down there at Hollywood Electrics. And uh, Hollywood Electrics used to have, back in the day, uh, a ton of stuff. I actually met one of the guys that used to work there when the Brahma was for sale at freaking Best Buy. That's how long. It was like 2009. I ran into him. We wrote, we we were doing the, the Brahma test rides, and they had just come back from their first uh, TT Zero, which I think they used to call the TTXGP or something. It's basically the all-electric Isle of Man. Nice. And they had just come back uh, with their Bramo. It did pretty good on the first run back in 2009. I forget what, where they placed, but it, it was they didn't have a body for it yet. They hadn't, Bramo Impulse hadn't been built yet. The Boston Brothers hadn't, like, ra- they literally had to, like, build the bike. They had the motor. They stuffed it, I think, in a Suzuki or a Kawasaki like R6 frame or something. And so it had a pretty legit setup and all that stuff. And it used their power plant. And Moto Sizz was racing. Uh, I, there was a couple other companies. I think I don't know if Lightning was there at the time, but there was this weird Indian company. I forget their name. I think they actually ended up winning a couple in a row. And it just opened the door to all this stuff. The the Honda, well, the Mugen, which is like Honda's like Skunk Works sort of thing. They've had that Mugen Shinden out forever racing it. And um, we've never seen the light of day. So I don't think the market's quite there for electric motorcycles. And when you and I test rode the Zero, what do you think, given the price points and your impressions of the bike? Before, like, let's talk about, first off, before we get into the price and like, <laughs> who it's for and all that. Let's talk about your impression. We rode the uh, the Zero DSR, 
My impression first was Oh no. Hey, before I before I misquote, we rode the Zero FXS, the Supermoto. Yeah. The DSR is the freaking the Which when I signed up, s- they're the like you can sport. pick which one you want to ride and I wanted to ride like the sport bikey one. Yeah, the and SR. then we go in and crazy Carl's like, "Oh, we'll put you on this one." Yeah. <laughs> so we, um, we got to ride the FXS. Uh, we got a. He gave us a 2017 pamphlet with the highest batteries is the 13.0, but the one that we rode was the 2018, which had the 14.4. Yeah. So we got a little bit higher battery specs um, than than the the 2017 ones offered. But yeah, I, I took the first trip, so I'm gonna let you talk about it first. I'll I'll talk about it second. I, I definitely like. First off, as negative as I'm gonna be about this, it was super fun. Like. It was an awesome bike. <laughs> it really was. Like it was a good time. It was super trippy in your head to like not hear the motorcycle. Yeah. But I'd pull up to a light and like pull the front brake in and do a little burnout, like all silent, which is trippy. <laughs> um <laughs> I didn't do any burnouts, but that would have been fun. I was popping some wheelies, but with no clutch, you like power wheelie. Yeah. Which is weird because like I used to do some stunt riding, so you you use the clutch. Like, it yeah. snaps it up. And I get that they don't need a clutch, but it's still not as snappy. Yeah. Um, and even if you had a clutch, I don't see it doing any good. Like, you don't have such a weight spinning. Like, mm-hmm. you do a little bit, but... And right. why would you want to add five more pounds of rotating mass with a clutch if you don't need Clutching it? Clutching up is a little bit like using the bullwhip. You're using the drawback and the inertia of the, like... Pullback. You're using the whole weight of the whip to make the end snap, and that's yeah. kind of like what a clutch wheelie is. You're using yeah. the rotation of the yeah, motor. You let the, the motor spin up a little bit, and then, and then whoosh, yeah, you it snap it. Snaps up. the whole bike up. And but I'm, I mean, yeah, man, it was it was definitely fun. Like the bike handled very well. Uh, it was a good time. Like it, it's it's not what they were telling us. Like oh, it'll smoke a Jixxer 750. It'll like this one will smoke a 450 Supermoto, and I'm like. No, it won't. Yeah. It's they're they're definitely fast. Yeah. Um but Phil from Cleveland Moto said he smoked a H2R light to light. Uh they did a they did a few drag I think he, I forget how many he said. And the dude on the H2R is no idea how to use a clutch. <laughs> right. Well, the thing is is too is that even if you even if you smoke them they, I mean, were doing, they were doing it light to light. If to you put doing, it in perspective, from light to light, my Dyna is like the fastest thing on the planet. <laughs> right. And it all matters about a, torque, right? I mean, there's you, so much more like yeah. a, a light to light such a short distance. It's all about your weight and the length of the bike yeah. and how it jumps forward instead of wants to stand up. And a lot of sport bikes want to pull the front wheel up. Yeah. And the electric, I did notice that. It was like very smooth in that it ex- wanted to accelerate forward. Where a lot of sport bikes want to accelerate and pull, like they want to twist the whole bike yeah. and stand up, and it, yeah, it didn't the, want to do that too bad. The torque application was was interesting. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and when I rode the Brammo, when I test rode the Brammo, they said they had to dial it down because they said it's an electric motor. We can make it like a die grinder bolted to a bench, where if you turn yeah. it on, it'll spin, which basically you will you will stand straight up. So they set that. There's yeah. an, there's an algorithm somewhere that that sets that, and we. You know, it had a couple different settings on it that we could go through, like a couple different ride modes. Um, so, and you could notice a difference. Like, yeah, there was. I could see I the, the. I forget what the basic one was. The basic there, one got boring real yeah, quick. It was like, hey, there's base, 
sport and custom. I mean, like, don't really go like only on custom. Just, but in my opinion, custom was the best. Whoever set that custom one up, it was the best set. It was funny because I we walk in and I'm like, dude, the custom one is fun. He's like, you guys weren't supposed to ride the yeah, custom one. I wrote it. That's just. He's like, that's however you want to set it up. And I go, whoever, and he's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, whoever set it up did a good job. Set up, dude, better than sport. I was like, holy shit. Because when I put it, it in custom, I was like, yeah. Really it was just, it was super fun and custom. Yeah. And I'm like, how are you going to like, it's on there. I'm going to try that mode. <laughs> he made and when a I cycle, did, he, yeah. as part of the procedure, we had to cycle through it. You know what yeah. I mean? And, you know, uh, it's weird because Bramo eventually ended up for the impulse making a transmission. And for an electric motor, you don't really need a transmission. But to make your point, light to light, you might be able to smoke an, uh, an H2R because... The momentum hasn't the gearing. There's gearing. And I don't a light to light. Yeah, you shouldn't run out of first in an H2R. I wouldn't think. Yeah, and 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 that's the thing. Your torque, your torque ranges like every gear that you shift, you reset the torque, and the you know what I mean. Where on an electric, the torque goes straight yeah. up or whatever. There's no end. It just it just goes. But where you're gonna lose is if I guarantee if Phil had raced that guy on a quarter mile or even an eighth mile. Yeah. The top speed of the of the electric motor is what gets you because there is no gearing. Well, and the thing with a light to light, it's your horsepower and torque have so little to do with it. Yeah, it's keeping the front wheel under control. Yeah. and if you're on an H two R, you should be able to sit like on the front tire and still have to try to keep the front yeah. wheel down. Like, and maybe that's what the dude. Maybe he was having trouble, and Phil was so used to that zero because they they ride the shit out of those well, zeros. Like listening to Phil, he's ridden for a long oh, time, yeah. a lot of different stuff. So yeah. And also in H2R, you launch too hard and also you're burning tire. You know what I mean? We're yeah. like on a zero. He was even saying on the zero, he cut it all the way open and it like bogged because it was like the computer was like, oh no, I can't let you do that. Like, yeah. you, I'll flip you backwards. I can't yeah. let you do that. And then it, so he said he even figured out that there was like an algorithm where he had to like roll on like 95% and it would go 95%. Yeah. But if you do it 100, it's like, oh, no, no, wait, wait, yeah, wait, until, until it, it like, gets going. It yeah. wants to figure out what you're doing or whatever. Yeah. And 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 horsepower and torque have so, they're so different. That's why like a Harley can have 90 horsepower and feel like you're doing a bajillion miles an hour because it's the torque, you know what I mean? And like, oh, it only has 90 miles an hour and it's got a 1600 or 1800. And you're like, listen, it's, it's kind of in, in a different proportion to each other. So these things are torquey as hell, but once you get up to a certain speed, the yeah. H2R, I, I think a quarter mile or, or eighth mile even, you'd probably get blown away. But off the line, if someone's got an H2R them. in Ohio and they want to fly me out, I think I can take it. <laughs> if somebody's got an H2R, um, we're, I'm going to request another demo ride at yeah. zero and I'll text you when we're going down there and we'll see what these things do. I think do. too, um, Something to think too about, and it, it totally has nothing to do with the zero because they don't have this. When people talk about Harleys and torque and like sport bikes and torque, you always have to remember that behind the motor there's this box and it's got a bunch of gears in it. And those gears are in there and they're it's called the um the gearbox. It's called the you can't call it a trainee. That's unsensitive. <laughs> right. I feel like um, you can't assume it's gender. Yeah. So it's a box of neutrals if you're if you're Guy Martin on a new Honda. <laughs> but anyway, those gears are according to the torque that the motor makes. So you can have a Harley that makes 100 foot-pounds of torque, and you have, like, relatively low gears. And then you can have a CBR 600 that makes 60 foot-pounds of torque, but you have these, like, super opposite gears yeah. that you rev the bejesus out yeah. of it and it's going to be faster with less so it's 
Yeah, they're that, totally they're totally inverse. So I yeah I don't know the the H two R versus the the zero how it went down and and which one he had because he might have had one turned all the way to eleven. You know what I mean? But ours was pretty fun. I thought it was fun, and I the f- other ones weren't really faster. They just had more range. Basically, I think what he was yeah. explaining, right? Like the yeah. motors are all the same. Yeah, basically, if you're looking at the specs, the old he, he even had like an old like two thousand five or nine or something and it had like a nine or a six point something battery and you're like jesus my fucking kids remote control helicopter has more than that nowadays like yeah. that it seems so crazy looking at the ones that have 14.4 but the price on those things was still only like two grand less than a brand new 2018 and then i was thinking about that and then the guy told us how many times oh he'll get that he'll sell it he'll get it and yeah. i'm like then how do you have all these bikes on the floor yeah, right now i had quite a few we'll get into the pricing in a minute uh because yeah, that was a whole odd thing to think about, and I kind of started to think about where who we were talking to. But as far as the bike, uh, you said you wheelied it a couple times, uh-huh. and how e- was that easy or hard for you? It took a couple tries to get like a feel for it. Yeah, and because it was kind of a power up deal, it was a weird feeling because I'm so used to like even on my sporty on the little tracks like or on the bigger tracks like the half miles I love to wheelie the back stretches like after the race. Yeah, you clutch it and it stands up and you can kind of like lift yeah. and then get it like a feel and it it didn't do that. Yeah, I didn't even get up to like twelve o'clock it like I didn't because I was like. For me, part of the thing is like engine sound too. Like I'm really yeah. dependent on like w- what it sounds like I'm doing. When we were in Santa Monica, so or Venice or where were we? It was it was technically it was very crowded. It was technically it was it's Hollywood. It's like the yeah. nor- it's like the northeastern end of Hollywood. So it was very busy streets. So yeah. Oh, dude. I like I stood it up for like ten feet. Yeah. And then I ironically got cut off by a Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> there, yeah, there's a lot of Teslas and Priuses around here, but but yeah, the for me and, and what did you think of the braking too? Uh, it, the brakes worked well. Um, that's the thing. The braking and cornering, I guess I should say. <clears throat> the cornering felt alright. Like the suspension felt pretty decent. the The funny part for me was like it, we were on basically a supermoto, and I like ran up to a corner real hot, and I like grabbed two finger in the front, and I stomp on the rear, and I start to like back it and then all of a sudden the rear brake goes away and it straightens up and I was like what the shit and then I was like oh yeah Scott anti-lock brakes yeah and then I um because I was on a supermoto I like roll up to a stoplight and I try to do a big stoppy and it lifts it like two feet off the ground and, and I'm like I was light. feeling so good and then it just drops it and rolls and I was like what the sh-? and I was like man but he did <laughs> say though uh I go hey can I turn the anti-lock like if I buy a bike like this, can I turn the anti-lax off? And he's like, yeah, why? And I'm like, because I couldn't have a supermoto that I can't back into corners yeah. or do stoppies on. And he gave me a weird look, but then he was like, yeah. because yeah, I, I don't think off. Carl rides supermoto style. I think he no. probably has a DS or something that he – okay. He showed us his bike. It was yeah. very uh, – he had kind of like an adventure style Yeah, setup. it must have been the, the DS, which is the dual sport or the DSR. And then he had the bags. I think he had the R. And he was – basically telling us to buy ours yeah well the ours is like the extended range you know what i mean because some of these if you're like for exit for example if you're buying the zero s uh the city range is uh 161 miles if you've got the 13 
point zero. I, I'm pretty sure this is amp hours. I, I'm, I think that's what their rating is. But like I said, for 2018, it's a new 14.4, and supposedly for 2018, they use some new sort of battery, and it goes way more than just these old ones yeah. did. So it might even be way more than just a few more amp hours. But it's 161 miles city. Um, but if you get the power tank, which is like this little thing that drops into the front of where the fuel tank would normally go, that also adds extra and shit on this. On the and you on can the, quick, you can charge faster with that too. Yeah, and so f- you go from one sixty one to two hundred two in the city, and that's pretty good if you're commu- city commuting. Shit, two hundred miles—that's a lot of city one commuting. I, one thing I really liked about it, different than the um, electric cars, was the power cable was a one ten cord. Yeah. So, oh if, yeah, if you can run an extension cord out the back door at work, you can plug it in at work all day. Yeah, and nobody will ever know. Like, just go. I'm gonna go vacuum the break room. Why are and they, they doing claimed, that? Yeah, and they actually claim that uh, it costs fifty cents to fill it up. Worth of electricity. And if you look at electricity rates, that is the biggest thing about electricity is that you're prohibited by range, but it's cheap as shit right now. Until until electric companies until, figure well, out how to charge you an arm and a leg. For and until every car in the world goes electric and yeah, we don't it, put solars on still. Yeah. So highway range is where it really eats shit because it goes down to 81. And if you have that power tank, it's 101. And again, this is 2017 specs, the 18. And he was saying that's like 75 or 80 on the freeway. And it's just, it's a wind resistance and the electric motor is working. And I don't know coefficient of friction. I, I imagine that yeah. fuel pressure is, or uh, tire pressure is way more important on these than it is on a gas car. And I I wonder too, like, we see with a gasoline motor, they have like efficient ranges, and say that efficient range is like thirty five hundred RPM, then in, in your transmission and your final drive, like you should cruise down the freeway at thirty five hundred RPM. Well, the electrics don't have that, yeah. so if if the motors, I mean, and they'll spend 20, 30, 40,000 RPM. Cause yeah, it, they'll go high. It's they're like not a, infinite, but they, yeah. because there's no, like, like an a, internal combustion, shit moves up and down. Yeah. And this just spins. This just spins. Think of your grandpa's old bench grinder that'll do like 40,000 RPM. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know, you're in town, you're cruising around at 30 mile an hour. That motor, it's basically whatever the final drive is to the wheel. So we'll say the motor's like a thousand RPM at thirty, then it's two thousand at sixty. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that's eventually why Bramo ended up putting on the impulse a gear. They start Bramo went when Bramo like went out or whatever, when Bramo sold off their motorcycle company. Uh, luckily they sold it to Polaris. So we may still see an Indian electric come out here uh, pretty soon. Um, but what happened was Bramo was like listening to the feedback of motorcyclists that were like, listen, dude, I'm so used to a clutch. I need that clutch. And the Boston brothers raced the, the impulses for icon, I, I believe. Yeah. And, um, they, they ended up partnering with some, a company, I forget who the hell the company was, but they partnered with somebody that makes trannies specifically for electric vehicles, you know, uh, forklifts and weird shit like that, like weird low drive uh, electric vehicles and other ones that need trannies in order to transmit um, different ranges of torque, right? So they ended up getting like six-speed trannies on them, and it made it better for racing and and long-term. It added basically, kind of like you're saying, it added um, some sort of length. I'm not sure how much more mm-hmm. they got out of it, but you could change the gear ratio then, and you didn't have to spin it as high to get as many rotations out of the tire. Therefore, like you said, 
where you're looking at wind resistance and all other sorts of factors, it kind of takes one factor out of it, which is like the necessary power to spin the the motor at such a high thing. Now you're spinning at a little bit lower, so right. it still doesn't solve every problem, but it did give them some. Yeah, not only did it give them feel because it lets you power it like a like a gas bike, where you're like, oh, I feel the torque, I feel the torque. At these, where I'm expecting to, rather than just this like straight torque curve. You but know? I wonder, like, how much of that is guys like the Bostroms, like, but motorcycle riders in general, you have these reflexes, and I wonder how much of a transmission and a clutch is purely you, you, what you know. You spend your whole life racing, freaking. You know, when you're a paid racer, you, you that's your career, and like that's what you do. And the, that muscle memory is yeah. probably a must. When you're going into a turn, you're used to clutching when and I, braking. Yeah, when certain, I downshift, I use a clutch because my old bikes never had slipper clutches. Yeah. So I use a clutch to feather to help like back it in, even on a sport bike and definitely on my supermoto. Um, the flat tracker, I don't because we don't get a wheel hop problem. But yeah. So I wonder, like, if they're not like, oh, I can control the motor braking with the clutch. Yeah. And, I mean, they, you know, the nice thing is on the electric that they can actually control the engine braking. And I think it, does it regenerate or does it actually take electricity to use the engine brake? No, I asked him about that. And he said that there was, I'm not sure what mo- what model he was talking about, but he said there is a regenerative uh I don't know if you can get it, if it's like an option, or if it comes on it, or if you have to twist the throttle forward or something like that. I forget exactly what he mm-hmm. said, but for to some degree, there is a regenerative braking. That's something like if you were commuting through town and you could twist the throttle forward, yeah, you could definitely get used to that. And, yeah, I mean, in a matter of one commute to work. Yeah, that's how the Harleys used to shut when they came out with items in 2011, which is the Engine Idle Temperature Management System (EITMS), right? You, if you had that option, you would set it up on so the bike knew, hey, I want to use it. And at the stoplight, you would roll the throttle forward and shut off the back cylinder. And then mm. roll as soon as you rolled onto the green light, it would turn on. So, I mean, enough. I don't know how many people use that, but it's like a lot of bikes actually have some weird options that you can roll the throttle yeah. forward. And if you're braking and you're rolling off the throttle already and you just roll a little further it, forward, like, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Well, and where you could, what I'm thinking is like you could not use the rear brake. Yeah. Like, you know, if you were ripping around, you're going to go with your muscle memory, but you could not use the rear brake and be like, oh, that light's turning yellow half a block up. And you could roll that thing forward and kind of coast into the light yeah. and regenerate a yeah. little bit. And um, I asked him about that because for me, my impressions were basically the same as yours, except for I didn't try to do any stoppies and stuff like that. But, um, the braking and stuff was the hardest thing for me to get over. And the first thing I fucking did when I rolled up and I was getting ready to stop is I was reaching for a clutch. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, no clutch, just a brake. Um, so basically on the R's, I was just looking at the specs here. And, of course, this is the 2017 specs. But the R's, um, on the on the regular base models, the, the foot-pounds of torque uh, is about 81. We're talking not the 6.5. Who's going to buy a 6.5? Nobody wants to go... That low, you know, nobody's commuting like ten miles and just going to buy. No, it. If you're, if you're gonna, I would say like if you're going to go buy one of these, buy pretty well the latest and greatest. Yeah, I mean it's like almost the same price for double. You know what I mean? Because it seems like every year what they're doing is a little bit better battery. Yeah, yeah, and they're and, and that's and they're actually not out. even changing the motors. They're just a little bit better battery every year. Yeah. right now anyway. So the uh, the S's top out at um, eighty one foot pounds of torque for the highest one, and the S the R models. 
like with the S and the SR and the DS and the DSR, it's the torque. That's what's uh, that's what's more. You get a hundred. The, the mileage range is the same, so I was like, oh, that's weird. But it's the torque that really um, goes up. It goes up from eighty-one to one sixteen. So I mean, that's you on know, the one. So the one we rode was one hundred and sixteen foot-pounds of torque, at least, because we we were on the fourteen point four, and this okay, this is the last year's specs. Which I wonder is only how thirteen. That's measured because I'll call a bunch of BS on that. Like a torque. I mean, they have to throw it on a dyno. I guess, man. But because torque is measured, torque is a torque is a measurement that you can't fudge with. Torque is like the amount of right the amount of horsepower required to lift three hundred thirty pounds one foot or thirty three pounds, you know, hundred feet, whatever you're measuring it in. Torque is that rating. Like that's what a horsepower is, and torque is that measurement of how much of that you can produce to. But I mean that horsepower. Like comparing that bike to my old CRF, it just wasn't. And again, you know what? A lot of it's controlled in the computer, but it wasn't as violently accelerating. Yeah. And torque is usually in your hand, in your butt and hand feel is usually the like acceleration and the violence of the bike. Yeah. And it wasn't like on any of the modes. Was it not? It wasn't violent at all. Hey, listen, before I get some nerd yelling at me, some engineer or like, I don't know, physicist or something, I want to tell you I know the difference between torque and horsepower, okay? Horsepower is uh, basically translates out to 33,000 foot-pounds per minute or whatever it is. It's basically what it takes a horse uh, to lift this is it's the workload that you take 550 pounds, lift it one foot in one second. So just translate out that further. Uh, they could lift, um, basically 33,000 feet pounds per minute or something like that. And then you just take torque. Torque is the force. You put that workload on a shaft or something and there you go. That's, that's torque. Torque is like a, a moment. It's a force. It's a measurement of force. Okay. Come on. And that's the thing with the gas bike. I feel like with gearing, you can make you can make up for what an electric bike might. But I, think I mean, you're talking a difference between we'll go to the low number, eighty foot pounds of torque, and what's a CRF four fifty fifty? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, some like not quite. Or if yeah. you say the hundred, then half. Yeah, like it wasn't three quarters as fast. Like yeah. it was. How old were you when you were on the CRF though? Were you like a ninety pound, you know, sixteen no, year old? I was two hundred pounds. Okay. And it was like when so I was twenty nine. So it is like it, it is some there's there's something amiss there. And I and, and it could be the algorithms that like you might be able to dial it in well, even better. And they told us too, like, oh that thing will smoke a Jigsaw six hundred. And I'm like, then why are you putting a one sixty rear tire on it and not a one eighty? Like Yeah. I don't know. And I know the width of the rear tire isn't totally determined by the power, but it kind of is like yeah, they don't give us tire uh, specs here, but I'm also guessing because with electric vehicles, um, you the the especially motorcycles, the width and the compound of the tire uh, contributes to the coefficient of friction, and every single thing that you have going, uh, you know, the more coefficient of friction you build, the less efficient your bike is. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, that could be like weight and, and the amount of rubber actually creating friction against the road. They probably want to get it as small as possible. But still, stay as like. But if you make a hundred foot pounds of torque, you can't put a little dinky tire on it either. <laughs> well, yeah. So I want to know where those like. It would be interesting to throw one of those on a chassis dyno and see where that comes from. I mean, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't a turd. Like, don't get me wrong, it was not slow. Yeah. But it it wasn't violent either. Yeah. 
And I'm so used to like a CRF 450 with slicks is a violent motorcycle. Yeah. Like an RC 51 is I got, violent. I got beat by one one time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. RC 51s. I mean, those things will. You they just, made. You just touch the throttle and they'll step. My my coworker they had one. They were 100, really 110 the foot pounds of torque though. Yeah. Which is what that thing's claiming. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. I I don't I don't know. Your stoplight to stoplight such a weird and that race measurement. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know, and that's you know, and and like we said, Cleveland Moto, he might have had a edge up on the dude. You know, there's not. I, the, he said the guy did a moto blog, and I I, I don't know what episode do, this like, was now. You guys don't have the flyer, but it's a very ironic photo. It's a uh, a dude on a zero waving at a dude with a Beamer, is it a K sixteen hundred, the police bike. Uh, it's the uh, the R twelve hundred RT R twelve hundred like police with the CHP uses or used to use, and he's waving at him as the guy on the Beamer is filling up with gas. Yeah, ironically, the range on that Beamer with a full tank's like three hundred miles. Oh yeah, and a range on the Zero is like a hundred. Yeah. So okay, you're waving at a guy getting gas, but if you guys filled up at the same time and went somewhere. Then he already left you. Yeah. And you, it took you six hours to recharge. The crazy thing, too, is that that Beamer, the R1200 RTs, I'm so, I I haven't like looked at those recently, but those things run around, I want to say like 20,000 bucks or something like that. Yeah, they are new. And the Zero SR is 18.6. That's for the uh, the DSR, the SR, any of those, the street R's. Um, but if they made some with like bags and a fairing, it would be a lot more. Oh, well, be, yeah, because you'd have to add that into the price. So, so the prices weren't cheap, but... Here's the, my thing with the prices. They weren't cheap. You're right. Like, they're not. And if, if you can fill up for a dollar for a 100-mile range... That's like $2 for what most bikes get for a full tank. Then like you're going to save money. But they looked like high songs. They, they looked did look like high they songs. looked cheap. Maybe they have narrow rear tires for a reason. But you know what? If I'm paying 18 grand for a sport bike, I want that to be one bad motherfucker. Yeah. Like I want it to sit on the sidewalk and look mean. And whatever ones we saw at IMS the weird names, the Energicas, Energicas. Oh, those look. Those tits. are sick. Oh course. my god, those look like. Of course, electric. those are over thirty grand. Though. Yeah, and and it's an but, Italian company, and they got the Italian Ducati, you know, like Ducati esque designers. But my, there. my point is, like, the wheels look kind of chintzy. They all ran one brake. They didn't run like nothing looked mean and tough. Well, the deal is too. They were almost all the same ish chassis you know what i mean it's like it's they really it's were except for the supermoto it's platform which based. is it's smart but again like you're at 18 grand and they did some really dumb stuff on the chassis like no one welds a subframe on a frame anymore because when someone crashes it they want to be able to unbolt that subframe saying that my ducati s2r has that welded on subframe but i'll, I'll that was dumb on ducati's part yeah like well and and for the time I, maybe that was the status quo but if you're making these but now, now yeah. yeah and i didn't even think about that when you, until you said it and I was like oh yeah like there there's a lot of stuff on here and a lot of like square the supermoto one had like some square tubing and some like angle aluminum yeah you don't really get to see it in their promotional pictures like, which is cleverly high and I get it's a small company like you can't you know you're not going to get big fancy hydroform frames but I don't know 
I, I will say this though, like if you have a commute to work, that's 50 miles or less and you commute on a motorcycle every day, either a sell that motorcycle or B put it in the garage and go buy a zero. Yeah. I will like all the hate, all the shit talking, all the, no, it won't <laughs> smoke your CRF 450. No, it won't <laughs> smoke a jigsaw. No, it won't go from here to San Francisco with filling up for 10 minutes every time. Yeah. But if you commute every day and it's 80 miles or less, 90 miles or less, then a zero might really be for you. Like, yeah, they're expensive, but you might say, you know, you would have to look at the price of electricity or consider some solar panels, but, and talk to your place of employment. If they'll let you plug it in, obviously if it's over 50 miles and you have a 110 mile range. Yeah. A lot of places do now too have electric car, like, Charging well, the best stations. part is you don't need an electric car charging station. I know that is like, and they, that is awesome. It and was the like cord tucks right into the swing arm, which is. I kind wonder of if crazy. that was planned. Yeah, they just like they fold it up. I was going to say it. They fold up the charging cord, and they stuff it in the hole in the swing arm. That is just kind of like how they built the swing arm, and it happens to fit and it stays. Nothing holds yeah, it yeah, in yeah, there. Yeah, no, if you leaned it over or like had a pretty good like rip on the supermoto out on some truck yeah, trail, it you might, might come lose out. It. <laughs> but the the cord is also this. If you have a desktop computer and the cord comes out, oh, yeah. same cord. It was like the same plug, right? If you have a guitar amp, same cord. Yeah. Like it's the same three th- three prong plug into the back of or into the bike. So that was genius. Most of us work at a place now where we use a computer and there's always a spare one lying around, you know. Well, and if there's like Carl if in there's, the IT department. Yeah, if there's several computers, yeah. then there's always cords you can yeah. go steal from There's someone. always that old one that's hooked up to the old like yeah. Xerox printer that you're like, we don't even use we don't even use or if you work at a guitar center, go steal one off an amp. Like <laughs> right. it's literally the same plug. Yeah. So that was smart. It's 110. Yeah. Like the guy was sitting there, no maintenance, no maintenance. And then he's like, Well, yeah, tires and uh they do run a belt, which is pretty low maintenance. Yeah. Uh, you guys can hate on belts all you want, but the first one on my Dyna lasted sixty five thousand miles. Belts. Of the fucking beat up. slingshot uses a belt. I yeah. mean that's how belts and, are better. And one of the only BMWs that's not a shaft drive, which is the F eight hundred GT, uses a belt. The only time you're gonna trash a belt is when you get a rock in it and it like gets in it like It'll get kind of in the pulley, and yeah. I've seen them tear up belts. Well, I could, I mean, yeah, you could easily but tear up a horsepower. You could do that with a chain, not, though. I mean, yeah, you could, you, you can eat a rock with a chain you and can. bend a sprocket, you know, bend yeah, some you'll teeth. tear your sprocket up. Yeah, yeah, so you're still out of luck. You're still not going anywhere. Um, Buell uses belts on the last 1125s, yeah. making yeah, 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 160 sure. horse. Like, belts are quiet. You don't, ha- they don't throw shitty oil everywhere. You don't have to adjust them every time you ride them. Like, yeah, it's not like a chain, they're I mean, better. It's almost like having a shaft maintenance schedule but with like a chain the benefits of a chain yeah. it's it's the best of both worlds yeah and, um, and, and carl apparently rode his like 80 something miles a day too i mean his I, one his, way I his think. commute was 80 miles one way and he had he had ripped because there's nothing up where he lives he lives on the other side of the valley yeah he rips down through the valley to hollywood there and with bags i think he said and he gets i mean he gets there he must have like one of the ones that has a pretty good range the uh maybe the r model because if you're getting 202 city highway range is rated at 101, so it literally cuts that in half. But yeah. if he's got an 80 mile commute, ripping at you know what do you say 85 miles an hour, it'll make it. Yeah, but you've got he'll make it. Tires are going to be your main thing. You don't have to change oil. Yeah, there's a um, whole, there's a whole bunch of stuff that they say you don't have to change. Um, you don't have to buy gas, which. I, I started to do the math on these things. Even at tw- at nearly 20,000 bucks, let's just say 20,000 at the door, 
after fee, you know, after licensing and destination, which I'm sure they have. Luckily, we're here in California, so we might not have to pay the destination charges and all that stuff. But after all that adds up, I'm sure it's twenty thousand bucks after financing and taxes and this and that. The one thing I was thinking of is that in California and in a lot of states, uh, I don't know now what's what. The, I don't even know what the hell is going on in Congress or like anything anymore. But you used to get a tax write-off. They just passed a new tax bill, and I'm not sure if any probably of this not stuff, for electric. Yeah, not, I mean, with just given the new situation. Yeah, yeah, they rolled back the EPA stuff, there, and, and, and they are into like. But coal, even without, so like, like, I just figured out. On my trucks, even worse. I figured out for my Harley, it's about if I commute five days a week on my Harley because I get like thirty mile a gallon on a good day. Yeah, on a stock one hundred three with air cleaner and stuff, it's going to cost me one hundred twenty bucks a month in fuel. Yeah, there's your. I not mean, not quite your payment, but you know. Yeah, like well, there you go. Not so, on an eighteen thousand dollar bike. No, it's probably well, more, it's probably more like two fifty or three, right? Yeah. I mean, it's got to be right around three for like a five year loan. But if you think about it, though, if like if you had something that was one hundred and fifty bucks a month, and then you spent one hundred and fifty bucks a month in fuel. And oh well, if you've got a new car, you'd be saving money, right? Because like I don't know any new cars; they're all like at least three hundred bucks, dude. Oh, I, yeah. I know people that are. I'm trying to think. Like when I bought my Harley, it was like one something a month, maybe. It was yeah, more. we should probably keep it to motorcycles because cars. Shit, I know people that are spending like six hundred dollars a month in like. Oh yeah. Just because cars are like sixty thousand dollars now, like unless you buy like a Hyundai Elantra. We just bought a new Subaru, and by the time you're out the door, it was almost forty. That yeah, see that's what I'm saying. So and we stayed there till ten thirty at night. Yeah, telling the guy trying wasn't to haggle, spend forty grand. Yeah, and then you, he's like, "Well, you're not, but after you go out of here, technically, yeah, yeah." So that's what I'm saying. Like, so we we kind of should keep it to bikes, but I mean anything. But that's what, so that's what I'm like. I was. Asking tough questions that the guy did not want to answer. The guy was like, he was very pro electric. Yeah, and I'm all for that, but you better have the the wherewithal to back it up. Like, Mm -hmm. you better tell me why electric is better. And it's early in development. Like, let's face it, it's early for electric. Zero is basically leading the way. They've been around for a long time, but still, market and investment money wise, yeah, ten years. I mean, longer than that because I rode the. I rode the Bramo in 2009, and they started in 2007, and they weren't even the first. I mean, the freaking, what's it called, the Honda Insight and the Saturn EV1s, like those were around like at the end of the 90s. But the thing is, is like how much money is actually being put into those, you know yes. what I mean? And, and, you know, the guy even brought it up about like early zeros, like people bought that as more of an investment into the company. Yeah. A loss of an investment, like you're not getting anything no. out of it. But but it's the same then, thing with and people that, needs that bought to PCs. Like the first people yeah. that bought PCs were like, "Oh my god, this thing cost me three thousand dollars." But look, I, it's got 128k. <laughs> yeah, and now and, you're like, you and buy it needs a to happen. Game. Like if you look at Tesla, like that's the reason they're doing well. And you know, one of the things that we wanted to talk about on this a little bit was like about the good, like the motorcycles. It's it's happening. Like yeah. if you look at the news, literally last week. With what Tesla and Porsche both released, electric is coming. Like, yeah, it's not. There's no more fighting it. Like you know, when we hear that France and Europe is like, okay, everyone's going to be electric by 2030, we all sat there like, how are you going to do that? And well, then, that's all we're going to make. So you're going to have to. Yeah. Well, no, but at the time, like when the government says that. Yeah. Like we're all sitting there like no one makes anything. Yeah. Like a Tesla, like we all don't have 80 grand. Oh yeah. And then. 
Tesla comes out and granted these are still 80 grand. Tesla comes out with their roadster where even car guys are like, the numbers are impressive. Yeah. Tesla's claiming, and I watched a thing on it today, like doing some research. Tesla's claiming a 1.9 second zero to 60. Yeah. 1.9. I just read, was it Tesla that beat the new, the record on the Nürburgring against the, uh, no, cause I don't think they have it on there yet. Have they? Somebody, I was just reading, um, an article. Unless somebody, depending what it was, depending what class it might've been in. Somebody beat the like longstanding, like the overall, y- like yeah, I I, I don't. Well, I know it was against a couple like years ago, Lamborghini something or other. A couple years ago, Porsche beat, got the record for overall time. Was I, it was it a car with just and like that was letters? A hybrid. Was it just letters in it, like the no, 09 W one or something like that? I don't think so. Okay, I, don't know. I just read well, somewhere the, the that, Honda Civic Type R just got a record at Nuremberg too, but yeah. I don't. That might have been a class that might have like been hatchback front wheel or something. Yeah, or yeah. Something. yeah. Or yeah, I don't know. So yeah, no, the, I just read somewhere that I I, I don't even remember but if the, it was a Tesla, but some the performance car numbers just for the Tesla like rivaled the Bugatti Veyron. Oh like, right. And then like two days later, Porsche comes out and basically smashes the Tesla for half the money. Yeah, and it looks better. Well, also a few episodes ago now, I don't remember when it was, but I was talking about. In China, they have cars that are freaking $5,000 electric cars. They're probably highly subsidized by the cheap labor, and the government might be pumping tons of money going, hey, we'll pay for everything. You just like do the technology. But China is huge right now. And when when Trump took office and said, we're going to back out of the Kyoto Agreement and like the Paris Global Agreement, China, there was several articles on China is going to be the new... Um, world leader in global like cleanliness, and I was like, "Come on!" But it's actually happening. Well, that's one of the reasons that they're such a global leader, anyways. They don't worry about cleanliness, so it's kind of a, yeah. It's like an ironic flip flop now that they're like using all these years of like yeah being super dirty and being like, "Hey, now that we've got all this stuff, we're gonna go ahead and like go to also go to electric." Yeah. And they, they're building these cars for five thousand. Was the base model seven thousand? And this is U.S. Like, well, the thing is, like, I just saw a YouTubing like some Hoonigan cars, and someone took an eight, an old AE eighty six Toyota. That's a super rad little tuner drift car from the late eighties, early nineties. They put an electric drivetrain in it and like drift it. Like it makes tons of power. Um, I believe it was Cleveland Moto, but someone is talking about Confederate Confederates. Besides, they're yeah. changing their name. They're dropping the Harley-based V-twin air-cooled drivetrain, and they're going to two-zero electric motors, and they're claiming, and again, or not zero, sorry, lightning motors, and comparing this to the zero that supposedly made 100 foot-pounds of torque, even 80, but they're supposedly going to make over 200 foot-pounds of torque. Like, to break it down to a car and make it simple, because the, the best part, like, the zero motor wasn't big. It was... no. 12 inches in diameter, including the air cooling fins, and six or eight inches wide. It was pretty small. Like, if you had a small car, you could put two of those, one on each rear wheel, or actually, you could put one for the rear and one for the front wheels, make it an all wheel drive oh, car. Geez. And it's, have, a, it's like a rotary. You might be able to stack them because they're so small. You oh, can yeah, put you, one, you could put could. one on each wheel. Yeah. And have like, well, that's what I was going to say. So, or, for a small car, you could put. One on each rear, or you could put them in the middle and drive off both ends of it because the arbor comes out both sides, and you could run the rear off one and the front off one, and you could have a 200-foot-pound car, a little smart car that makes 200 foot-pounds of torque. That'd be insane. Yeah, 
Um, you know, and if you're not even if you're Tesla, but if you're anyone else and you bought four of those lightning motors, put one on each wheel and you're doing 400 foot pounds of torque and you could run them to a differential like you're saying and make it all wheel drive and dude, you don't even have to run a differential. Limitless. I don't think. Yeah. You just put them in the middle and run yeah, off the yeah. rubbers. Dude, it, it's insane what it's possible. And they're you know so I mean? small and compact. Like the batteries are what take up space. They were about as those motors were about as big as the pumpkin on a big truck, like a Dana, like a Dana. Yeah. I don't know what you got a Dana sixty yeah. or something on yours. Is they were like the size of a pumpkin. They, on the I truck. swear they were like ten to twelve inches in yeah. diameter and six to eight inches wide. So instead of having it. like a like a spindle and like you know like drive act, you would just have a motor on each wheel and yeah, dude, the torque. Um, for me, it was Dude, a little my different. My big turd of a truck only makes 400 foot pounds of torque <laughs> and it'll tow a house. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. It's like a team of Clydesdales under the hood there. Of course, it is a Dodge. Uh, <laughs> yeah, now I just found that article that I was talking about and I don't know what they're talking about, but it's showing the Tesla beating the Alfa Romeo down the quarter mile with the trailer on it, but in the same. Oh, that's the old Tesla too. In, in, in that oh, that's sa- the Tesla SUV. In that same article, they, they talk about beating the, the article at Nurburgring. Huh. But yeah, no, man. I mean, and especially with the TT zero. Oh, the Isle of Man TT yeah. notices. Yeah. Okay. This this uh, that's it's a good article. Like I I, I went the so the, I mean the battery technology is happening. Yeah. Like it's getting better. I know zero from listening to Misfits. I know that the dude from Zero, like his bikes are able to update. Um, I think that's a crucial part, and that's what that's what Zero was missing. You're talking about the guy from Lightning, actually. Yeah, because Zero, the dude from Lightning. Yeah, that's one of the crucial parts. We were looking at a bike there that was one of the early ones from the 2005s or something. Well, that was the one they took in on trade. That yeah, and he even said like that was a bad one. You want like 08 or newer? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because everything was different from a certain from 2013 to newer. But if you, so I kind of thought that was a big deal, like. I want to update my battery next year. No, you don't. I'm not going to want to go in and buy the most expensive part of the bike again yeah. every year. Yeah. But in five years, if my battery craps out, yeah, I want to buy a new one or 10 years, whatever it is. Like, and if you're commuting back and forth to work five days a week, like your battery's not going to last forever. And the dude said, so this is where I'm going to like kind of fight what he said too. Like he said, they claim after 100,000 miles, your battery usage goes down 10%. After another 100, it goes down another 10. Why does my phone battery seem to go down way more than 10% in just a year? Yeah, that's a, that's the a shitty thing is that everything can be hacked. And, and we and, were talking about you and I. Yeah. After Hurricane Harvey hit or her, whatever Irma, whatever, whatever happened, like if it was Houston and Florida, the people with electric, t- with Teslas down there, uh, you know, shit, I got a 112-mile range. Oh, shit. They beamed down some fucking software and unlocked everybody's car so they could get the 300-mile range, the max range, whatever it was, and get out of there. like that. But I want to know, like... And my iPhone does the same thing. All of a sudden, the battery's getting consumed and eaten oh, faster than ever, and then I do an update a few months later, and it's not. Right. And, 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 and now I even got extra gigs. Like, stuff's unlockable. I don't want a battery... That's the problem. But with I don't zeros. get why they have that kind of control. Like I own this car yeah. and everything in it. Like I should have like whatever hardware. Like if my batteries are good for three hundred mile range hardware, then it should always have three hundred mile an hour, three hundred mile range. Yeah, like, you can't. Like if you can send down an update where the little positive and negative electrons circle around the magnets a little bit more efficient. Because honestly, like I made that sound all stupid, but that is like. 
it's possible. Like they're that yeah. that spot with the technology where you're they can, limiting something. Yeah, and so they're like, hey, we figured out how to clean up this this speed controller, and it's going to make it more efficient by five percent. I get it, but you're not tripling the range. Yeah. And you're not going, oh, we had this the whole time. We just wanted you to pay for it. And, and not to be a total dick and jump down the crazy rabbit hole that's going to make this episode three hours long, but <laughs> it's the whole problem that I see with uh, video games right now and microtransactions yeah. and all that shit that everybody's complaining about with video games. I own this video game. Why do I have to now buy? I paid $80 for it. Yeah. Why do I have to spend another 120 to unlock levels and yeah. unlock downloadable? It's not... It's not just yeah, downloadable why don't I content just anymore. Buy the two hundred dollar, but and it's part of it. Like with the video game thing, it's like it gets you in the door. Like if you notice, yeah. Like when we were kids, video games were sixty bucks. That's the thing. And now we're adults pushing on elderly. Yeah, geez. and they're still sixty bucks. So who I, I kind of get again? it. <laughs> I kind of get it because I just bought Forza Seven. Right. So, but the, if anyone in listener land wants to beat me, yeah. Can you? Can you? Can you uh, beat me? You probably can. There, but there, even like when I was playing Gran Turismo a lot, um, yeah, there was downloadable content and oh, you, forces it, like it would give you a, a new level, like a whole new level to play or a whole new like range of stuff. But what yeah. I'm hearing now, because I, I had haven't played you know any of the new video games, but what they're saying is the microtransactions is that you're getting out of control. Like you can't getting, do something without yeah. buying this gun, yeah. and now I got to go buy a gun to play Call of. Uh, Modern Warfare or whatever. Yeah. And you can't pass the game without buying their downloads. Because Forza's like, hey, if you want to drive these cars, you have to buy them separate. That's a little different. And they actually, but you you know what? Beat the game unless you buy those cars, then that's different. Actually, last, uh, on the last Forza, you had to, if you wanted the Porsche pack, and it had other races. So it was like unlock levels, but you had kind of already beaten the game, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's just it seems like that's where too that's much where it crossed the line control. for me. Right, that's where it crossed the line for me. Because if I beat a game and I love the game, like if I had ever beat Gran Turismo, I never play games long enough to beat them. I'm one of those guys. But if I played it and beat it, and I was like, "Damn, this game is so much fun!" But I don't. I honestly don't want to like restart it at the beginning, and I don't want to. Um, replay the same race series because I already won it and I know I could win it again. Downloadable content to expand it would be cool, but when it comes to shit like your car or a new video game where it's like you have to, if you want this, yeah. you've got to buy this and, and and we can unlock it for you but at what price? On one hand, I think it's smart. We talked about like the BMW R9T and like all the platform shit that they do and building something off a platform, that's smart. And if your platform includes software that like maybe limits the bike and you're like shit instead of coming in and replacing because that's the problem with the Goldwing remember you were saying like you wish the Goldwing had like why can't my Goldwing have the same shit as the Goldwing Tour yeah on, because on that, it, it's the same fairing but I can't get an airbag in it it's not quite the same fairing though. if you look at them they're not they exactly the same they look very similar and they're set up pretty similar the wiring harnesses are different. And there's a lot of stuff that is different in there, and the panels where the airbag pops out and shit, all that shit is a little different on the airbag model. But from the base model Goldwing to the base model Tour might be the same. Like, well, that's and, where it might be very and similar. And again, like if you're going to base it off that same platform, why why have two different wiring harnesses? Yeah. Why not throw some extra wires in the other one and make yeah. one part number now, one? Now, like, to play devil's advocate, should that be a thing where you can unlock it now? You know what I mean? Like... Like I don't because it could go both ways. And well, it's how, cool that how the, pissed and I've actually heard of stuff happening like this, but how pissed off would you be if you had the Goldwing tour and you're like, oh, 
I didn't pay my one to put the airbag in it. Yeah. And you take it into the dealer and they plug it into a computer and they go, boop. Okay, your airbag's on. And you're like, wait I a minute. I had the fucking airbag the I whole time. It. I had it and I paid for it. <laughs> yeah. You wanted me to pay more for you to flip a switch. Yeah. And I've, I've heard of that yeah. kind of stuff happening too, where they're like, I mean, that's okay, exactly now you what have happened that option. in Tesla's case, but they did it for a good cause. You know what I mean? Yeah, but- why didn't they just do it the whole time? Uh, yeah, I know, I know. That's the, it's it's the devil's advocate here that is like, yeah, like w- like I'm with you. I own this video game. I don't want to pay more. I paid for this car package. Luckily, you saved my ass. If I was like in the middle of Hurricane City and I actually yeah. got a hundred miles further, like thank thank God you could do that for me. But at the same time, you could have. You you got a shitty car. You're you're gonna plan for that. You know you're gonna have to stop and charge up on the yeah. way out. You might have left a day earlier. Which or a few and hours I think earlier. and it's hard to do on bikes, but I think um when in the car world, that's why cars like the Chevy Volt are so popular because yeah. it's it's an electric car with. I don't believe does the gasoline engine even push the car or is it purely a generator? Normally the gas engine. I know the Fiskars was a generator. Yeah, so you had basically infinite range. It depends. It fill it some up of them depend gas. on uh, the gas motor. On some of some hybrids, only runs to recharge the battery. It's like a generator. But I don't believe then it's considered a hybrid, is it? I'm not 100 percent sure because see, some of the hybrids also the electric motor gets you up to freeway speed, and then it's like like you were saying, it's much better and more less efficient to run at that high RPM as a gas motor. So the gas motor kicks on over a certain, I actually, and then it kicks back. So the Prius, it, I think, was actually opposite. Like because when you would cruise down the freeway or cruise in town, like once you hit a speed, you would basically back down to like say 20 percent throttle. So. The, the gasoline motor, they basically like cut in half. Yeah. And then when you needed to accelerate, the electric helped it accelerate up to speed. And yeah. then it could kind of back off and let. So basically, like you could run that motor at 80 to 100% capacity instead of 20%, wasting a bunch. Yeah. And I know some of the car ones at first, too, that was part of it as well. The gas and electric ran until it got up to speed, and then yeah. the electric took over or whatever. So I guess it depends. Hybrids might be. This or that, you know. I'm not a hundred percent sure how they all work and like they, if they all work differently. But you know, one of the interesting arguments, undoubtedly, is range and charge time. And apparently, that's coming down. Um, I can't. I've, I've talked a hundred times about this guy, but it's just scheduling. A very busy individual. But there's the guy I want to talk to that's actually developing infrastructure across America right now via the German companies that we were talking about. And is like, listen, man. Like the 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 goal of the charging companies in America is to get the time across the globe. Actually, is to get the charging time at a filling station down to seven and a half minutes because that's what the generally takes people to fill up their gas car. And they're working on it. It's not going to be an inconvenience thing What's anymore. The Tesla's down to twenty minutes, I think. There's a lot of them that are actually. If you have a quick charger, and he was telling me all about these. Water cooled freaking hose. That's how much electricity they're pushing through some of these yeah, hoses. They have to be water cooled. <laughs> like you'll burn your hand if you try to grab the hose. He said, "The technology is so crazy. They're they're working on wireless charging." Um, I read this thing about the roads. Yeah, I was gonna say now you can take your phone and set it down on a charger. Yeah. Actually, you've been able to for a while. So they're working on the roads that charge you as you drive. I want to say it was like episode forty. 
two, 43 and 44 that I was talking about the EPA and the road work and all that stuff. And I think in one of those, there was this guy that in California that was pushing toward like trying, can we see what it will take? Because there's a new road surface that you can embed yeah. Um, little things to give you static electricity, and that can build up. And then you know, like an old slot car had a dragger. Yeah, you would drag up and charge. The people in driving in gas powered cars will make static electricity, and the people in the electric cars will make it too. And you drag it and like suck it up, or wireless. You know, like I yeah. said, they're working on wireless charging. All this crazy stuff is coming out, and it's it's it will be here. We don't. I don't know how long people are going to hold out, but. When I did start to, like you, I started to do the math on it, and I was like, you know what? An electric vehicle is fucking expensive. When you can buy like a 180 horsepower S1000RR for not much more than It all depends what you're doing. Like if you're going out and hitting the canyons on the weekend, you need more range. Like 100 miles? Yeah. Unless you're a wuss hitting canyons, 100 miles yeah. is not enough. Like, Or unless it's uphill, and then you can just coast back downhill. <laughs> On the like, regenerative braking, hopefully. I'll go do 75, 75, 80 <laughs> miles through Azusa and Glendora Mountain. Um, yeah. I'll go do more of that through Angeles Crest because it's kind of more open. Like, If you're doing a nice, decent Saturday ride because you enjoy going out riding, you're doing more than 100 miles or even the 200, even though a lot of it's at faster speeds. And you don't, even with a quick charge, it was 45 minutes. Like, so if you have a place where you can go a quick charge, you might, like, if your lunch stop has that, you might look out. But mm-hmm. right now it's kind of spotty. You know, maybe in two years that'll open up. Um, if you're going to the track, it's fun, but I don't think you're getting track suspension and brakes and stuff like that. Um, Not unless you're got one of the race bikes that they have. Like at zero, they had they race some of the bikes. When he's saying how those were like thirty thousand dollar bikes, yeah. but I'm like, well, if your motor's the same and your batteries are the same and your chassis is the same, what's thirty five thousand dollars? Well, about? basically, it's a. I mean, I'm the, sure the, at the bike time is a, it was more of an R and D bike. So yeah, they're, the, they're using those. The bike's already almost twenty, so they basically just put fifteen into like the suspension tires and, yeah. the, and the body. But it was the same forks and brakes and wheels. Yeah, and it wasn't like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're commuting, if you're going from point A to point B Monday through Friday, you can throw that thing into a 110 while you're at work and you can unplug it when you get off and you can ride home. Yeah. You could, you're not going to save that much, but you will, I think you would break even or yeah. maybe a little better than having a gas bike. So, oh, and, and, and over time, especially yeah. if your battery didn't take a shit. You will eventually, it'll pay for itself. Yeah. In what you will save in gas. Yeah, because after, what's it take? Three or four years, five years to pay off? Probably like that? five years, I'm guessing. So, and it's going to be about 300 bucks a month for five years because my car, when I bought it, was around 20,000. Yeah. I got a deal. And uh, it took me five years at 300. To, and I paid it off a little bit sooner. So, I mean, but I'm guessing like 275 or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So, you're six and seven and eight. If you keep the bike that long, you're going to yeah. start basically profiting. Um, and that's, I mean, if, if you commute straight for, I commuted every day for like four or five years, yeah. but then I got a wife and a kid and that stuff changes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I honestly, if I didn't have that right now, I would seriously consider buying one. Yeah, that's the thing. Is it because like, I, I do commute forty miles each way? Yeah, to work. that's the thing. Is that on one hand, it seems totally ridiculous to pay that much for what you're getting. On the other hand, it, it, it's one. It's a short term versus a long term thing. If I, if you can have twenty thousand dollars right now, 
Or if I tell you, you'll get a million dollars if you take you know twenty thousand dollars a year for some, yeah. you're gonna want the twenty. You're like, dude, just slap it in my hand because I got a, a Ducati calling my name right, right now, or like a you know a, the new tech by go by twenty five of Larry's SRs. But um, the thing is, is like the human brain is programmed that way because for you know up until a hundred years ago or you know two hundred years ago, we needed that to survive. And you can't just unprogram that. And people spend billions of dollars researching human psychology to figure out how this works. So if you, ha- if you look at it as an immediate thing, it doesn't make sense. But if you kind of step back and do the math on it, you're like, yeah. They claim that there's no, you don't have to buy gas, which is a huge, gas could fluctuate. I remember a couple of years ago, my neighbor started riding his bicycle to work, to the, actually to the bus to get a ride. He worked in the film industry. He had a freaking Escalade on dub. Like, he couldn't drive it because remember gas was like five bucks during yeah. like a few years ago. So you don't have to worry about that. And electric doesn't fluctuate enough to make a difference right now. You don't have to ever change air filter. Uh, there are, I mean, oil filters. There are air or, filters. Oh yeah, because when Bobby, who was but it's their, more of a cooling thing, right? Yeah, he was their suspension tech, and I saw him out at uh, the steeplechase out at Glen Helen on one, and he had it was the adventure bike one, and they had duct taped over the air filter, and I was like, what's that for? And the air filter is just basically filters like the cooling air that goes to the motor underneath it. So he's like, I just didn't want shit to get in the motor. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. So there are air, f- air filters, but if you're not taking them out on a TT course, you're not going to worry about it. But no lubricating cables, which nobody does that anyway. <laughs> uh, never change engine oil because there is none. Never replace spark plugs. Never check any of the fuel hoses for cracks and kinks and shit that I've had to do. Honda was the- of course. Was, What's a big problem though with regular motorcycles? Electric gremlins. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> you, still, you might not have fuel hoses, <laughs> you, you, but you got a ton of electric wires. You'll hit that fucking starter button, and it won't start that one day, and you'll be like, "God damn it, I'm back on my fucking little Honda again." But uh, it says right here, no air filters to change. But I know that they have some of the models have it on there. No timing belts. Never have to adjust the valves. All these great things, but you still have to change. Uh, you know, you don't have to worry about the carbs gunking up. You don't have to worry about that shit. But you still do have to worry about the brake wear, the tire wear, and they don't mention bearings on here. And I'm sure. What about too? Um, like if you let your bike sit for a few months, not plugged in, and the battery dies, and it totally, totally craps out. Yeah. If they sit dead for very long. So what if like? I wonder if a battery tender. Yeah, like as a battery. Well, tender? Well, I think you could just plug that in. But what if you don't? What if you just set it in your garage, not plugged in? Hmm. That's an like, interesting question. Yeah. I mean, I do know that the lithium batteries, like my race bike has a fancy speed cell in it. And if it's unplugged, supposedly it can sit for years yeah. and you can plug it back in and it's good. But yeah. if it's plugged in and it has a little bit of place to go, it'll it'll drain and then it'll die. It's because it's not like the lead acid. Yeah. And I know those are better batteries, but it's plugged into the bike. Like there's still stuff that like stays alive that maybe draws just enough like so if you just basically didn't plug it in and you let it sit there for six months yeah that's a good question that's and your battery does go dead is it gonna like poop out like a regular car battery you know what i don't know because electric vehicles are the same like electric cars must be the same way there must be something in the maybe they're thinking you're driving it every day so you're gonna plug it in all the time yeah in the battery management system there must be something that like accounts for all that because and, and they're way different type of batteries but it's anyway if battery. you've got good credit and you commute five <laughs> days yeah. a week go right like seriously go ride one yeah um, 
take everything the salesman says with a grain of salt. Well, yeah, don't but, don't talk to crazy Carl. <laughs> but uh, he was also not a zero rep. He's a zero salesman, so it's a little he's different. kind of a fanboy of zero. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I think if you're trying to sell something, you kind of got to be. But at the same time, like know the strengths and know the weaknesses. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and don't be afraid to point something out because it might be you might be saving somebody. Like, you might be saving yourself a bad review or something in the future. Well, I basically like. I found what I wanted one for once I actually understood where the pros and cons were. Like, and that's why I'm saying if you commute, I would seriously consider one. Like, if you commute every day, I would, and that's what you primarily use a motorcycle for. Or if you have the funds to go buy another motorcycle to only, like, maybe you do have a $30,000 Ducati and you don't want to ride it every single day, or a brand new $20,000 Harley. Like, this could be, and they're, paid off or you want another bill or whatever it could be a great a great bike to consider to go like to ride to not worry about chains and tires and sprockets on your other bikes like i'm gonna throw a ton of miles on this thing commuting and that's it like i think it will save you a little bit of dough but mostly like i think it's a rad bike to commute on if that's what you're doing like if you're in that situation especially here in socal where you can split and it doesn't really ever rain that would be a great option, and everybody around here is like electric nerds anyway. Like you're not, you're not, you must live in the burbs. You don't drive a Tesla. Yeah, you, you could, know? you could definitely find a chick that smells like patchouli oil. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, like you uh, guys could put on your matching modular helmets and yeah. go for a ride. Oh man, and these things don't go. The styling is not quite wax cotton jacket, but you know. You do, but do, they kind of are because they're so like they are kind of hipster, are? even though they're not yeah. like. If you compared like it, Hollywood hipster, yeah, like yeah, if you compared it to a regular motorcycle, they're not hipster. Yeah, but because the fact that they're electric makes them super hipster. Like, yeah, by default, sort of. Yeah. yeah. You know who used an electric that I thought was pretty rad was Preston Petty. He threw some fucking shit there down at the uh, at the Ivy League events yeah. on his zero, and he picked it. I'd like it. to ride that one on flat track a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he picked it specifically because of the torque and he was like you know we're, we're not doing 100 miles an hour around here like I'm uh, gonna, i think he also picked it because he was 80 years old well and he lo- and he loves he's he's crazy genius when like, you he remember, loves, like this is the guy that literally invented the pl- plastic, plastic fender, fender for motocross like, he's been <laughs> very cutting edge his whole life so and, and in the 80s he got into computers before computers were big so now he's probably like his brain was like i see two great things yeah here. Dude, i think like I to me from talking to him and, and seeing it like to me that was more of a like yes I'm an old man but it's the next evolution in motorcycles and I think he wanted to embrace it before anyone else yeah so to me that was like kind of his move with it because here's the thing with dirt track and you did an episode on thumpers yeah electric's gonna be hard to take to the dirt yeah cool because there's not unless, a lot of the physics. unless everyone's electric yeah. I think for pavement it's it's great yeah but. You even the pavement though, you know, the a lot of road race bikes have talked about that hit, even though it's such a micro thing. Um and you know, again, with the technology, they might be able to program that in. Yeah. Like I, I, Yeah, like on the Brammos, I know they said they had to dial it back. They actually during the testing phase, people were like on the verge of crashing because it's you can you can make it on off. Well and zeros and ones. You but know what I mean? Like it's a smooth power, and why couldn't you make it? 
every revolution of the motor, the power basically hit like 10 could. times you or a hundred times or five times. You probably could make some sort of weird like modulator, rheostatic yeah. modulator. I, you probably could. That basically makes it kind of hit on and off. Here's what's going to happen. Somebody in a few years is going to start making race version um, electrics and not road race where you want like constant torque. They're going to start making, there's going to be some company that like, hey, let's take one of these and like hack it because that's what it's everybody It's going to go everywhere. I think the problem with it right now. You make electric thumper. <laughs> a triple a triple electric. thumper. Um, the, I think what scares people is they don't know with, this is for cars, motorcycles, everything. When it comes to racing, racing is usually limited by size of the motor, the CCs. Well, you don't have that anymore. Like this is where Mazda got in trouble with their rotary was they were measured differently. So there's always a debate with a rotor on how big they are. And I don't care how much you know about rotors. You can say, well, this is the proper way to measure it. There is someone that thinks you're wrong, yeah. especially when it comes to racing. That's why the RX-7 was technically like a two-liter, but it raced with five liters. Yeah, if you read even an autocross handbook where it's not like money on the line, like the shit gets so complicated. So with electric and with Tesla, like the four-door sedan, the Model S, like that thing hauls in a quarter mile. My old neighbor had one, and he's like, let's go for a ride. I almost chucked, dude. When he took off, I was like, oh, I was like they're, in the seat. They're all-wheel drive. They yeah. make, I mean, they're fast. The new Roadster's killing it. Porsche's slaying. I mean, it's just, it's going to happen, but they don't know where to put them when it comes to racing. Like, yeah. why is Tesla not at Le Mans? Yeah. Why is it not? At, and there, there are electric cars at Le Mans. You know what I mean. And there's that new but Formula they have E a, class. But, but they always have their own class. Like yeah. there will come a time, like if you like the numbers on the new Tesla and Porsche are so mind blowing. There will come a time, I believe anyway, in the near, very near future, where the Formula E will be faster than the Formula One. Yeah, and it's crazy because Formula E they have like a boost where you can like. It does a fan which cools it, which makes it fat. Like there, there's also it's like it's like almost like allowing Formula Ones to have a nitrous button. But like I wonder, the like racing the is, Formula E, like how large of an electric motor are they allowed? I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm sure they're spec to some degree. Yeah, but again, it's like karting. It's like a driver skill yeah, more than how driver. much does a Tesla yeah. motor make? How many of them are in a Tesla Model S? And why couldn't Formula E have four of them again? Like, yeah. that's the thing with these things being so small that you can make these cars all wheel drive because the motors are that compact. You just stick a short axle to the front wheel and there you go. You know what? Electric drag racing is going to be insane because they already do it. They already have, yeah, kill a cycle shit back in the day, like early 2000, maybe late 1999 was doing 200 miles an hour already. I haven't heard shit from that bike anymore. I don't know where it went, but they were, they had 200 mile an hour electric drag bikes a long time ago. He didn't need much of a range, but yeah. Well, he went right into the side of a van. I think that's what he was. <laughs> look on the but I mean, look on the. So it's happening. Like the zero is testament. Like again, it's not comparable to a 450 yet. It's not comparable. Yeah. The road racer is not comparable to a Jigsaw, but they are fast. And honestly, yeah. like if you, as a listener, want something to go to a track, and you're not Ben Bostrom or someone, and I think the Bostroms proved it anyway. But if you're a normal track guy. I mean, if Ben Brosson yeah. listens to our podcast, that's pretty awesome. I doubt it. But if you're not, if you're a normal track guy like myself, like that bike would be just as capable as a track that I am, as I am. Yeah. Like, hey, Ben Fistrom, he listens to our podcast. <laughs> hey, Ben Fistrom, there in Ohio, how you doing? 
Uh, yeah, no, it, it's a, it's definitely a perspective, and you have to wrap your head around it. Um, when I wrote it, you know what the zero? I I I haven't ridden a like the biggest bike I ever had was eleven hundred, and haven't ridden that. You know, it's been years. I think and, he added a zero to his one ten. <laughs> it was a, it was a Honda one ten. It was a CT ninety, and that bike even putting the screw, you know, just twisting it wide open. I didn't get the same torque feeling that I got from the zero. Like to me, it was actually the front end started to jiggle when I was going off the, you know, when the light turned green and I fucking like wham, I hammered it. And I was like, I did it all the way open because I just wanted to see what it would do. And to me, like the front end felt like it started to lift, even though I was trying to stay over yeah. it, especially in front of the store because I knew you guys were there and I was like, I don't want to like, I wasn't popping wheelies in front. I did all my wheelies probably back where Chris was doing his. <laughs> but that was the thing for me every time. Like it was like one of those, until I did it a couple times, I was like, shit, it had more torque than I thought, you know? And it gave me that like feeling like, oh my God, like my, my stomach's coming up. This is, this thing's actually fun. It is. The bad part for me was the, um, the braking and going into corners. I was so timid because I'm so used to hearing the engine going and blipping the throttle and you feel that engine braking going into the corner and then you like, and we were on some like shitty corners. Like we were oh, in yeah. town, they were so like they were 90 all degree. ninety degree street corners. Like it would be super fun yeah. up Angeles Crest. They were dipped because their water yeah. had to run through them. Yeah. And so I was like, oh shit! Like I, I, I didn't lean it over like I would have even my. And he actually said it was funny because the guys tell me all the races they win, and I'm like, oh, what class did they race in? Well, know, the, right? they can race in anything. Yeah. Usually with the SV six fifties. Yeah, I think that's where they. And I'm like. That's not anything. That's like the slow class. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. SVs it's a are super, super It's rad. a super sport class, right? It's like, yeah. yeah. It's not even a super sport class. Like a 600 class of super sport. Yeah. But again, for 90% of the people on a track, an SV650 is more than the yeah. rider. So it, it is a, like for most people out there, it's a very capable motorcycle, yeah. myself included. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to put myself above that. Like on a track or in town or whatever, like they're very, very yeah. capable yeah, I mean, it was it they was need interesting. some help, I think, with styling. They need help with styling because the Altos look fucking bitching. The Energicas look bitching. Um, and then just getting used to it. Like, it would have taken me a couple days riding it around. I'm sure on your Harley, you feel the same thing. You you feel like you feel engine braking. And that's, I knew it because I rode the yeah. Bramo and I remembered. I was like, oh, yeah, this is the weirdest thing. When you stop, yeah. you don't. You just, you let off the gas and you're still coasting. You're not slowing down. And you can, at all. and again, like he can put that, like you yeah. can, you can program that into it. Um, I mean, if you guys, uh, another thing to like give you guys for food for thought, not that range is important. Um, if you're a guy that's rounder than a lot, I'm not too bad, but I'm like 215, 220. If you guys go to a go-kart track with your buddies, we have a lot in Southern California. Yeah, Go to a gas kart track, and the fat dude will be slow. No matter his driving skills, he'll be slow. Um, and then go to K1 and watch that fat dude whoop you if he can outdrive <laughs> you. But it's it's purely like the electric. It's like a diesel in that they love – to work hard. Like yeah. you put a load on them and oh, they're right. faster. Right. Like I swear to you, you can put a 30 foot trailer in the back of my truck and it will get up to speed on the freeway just as quick as it does empty. Yeah. And electric is the same way. Like yeah. you load it down. That torque curve is what it's all it, about. It, yeah, I guess it's, it's insane. So I don't know. It's, yeah. Like it, I said, it's coming. Um, 
And now it's not here. a bad time. I mean, it's he. The guy was like, people think it's gonna get cheaper. They're only getting more expensive. Uh, when Lightning releases a production, which they might be more expensive, but I think they're gonna be nicer. If Tesla does one, you better get cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> or you're gonna be out. Well, here's the deal: if Royal Enfield's talking about doing an electric one, and if when they do, you better believe the Mugen Shinden is going to all of a sudden, Honda's going to be like, hey, we had, we've had this thing in our storage facility. And you better believe the Indian, you know, having bought Bramo mm-hmm. uh, when it was Victory, they're going to pull that out of storage and slap an Indian label on it. Supposedly, you know I mean? Harley's serious about producing the live wire. 2021. They said in the Milwaukee Business Journal, I reported on that at the, it was like in February. They, they released a thing that says by 2021 was their goal. And the live wire wasn't a bad thing. I, I didn't get a test ride it when it came around. I, I got invited and I just didn't get to go because I didn't get the message in time. But I did and I missed it that day. Yeah. Which, oh, dude, so now I wish I would have won. Yeah, I know because I wanted to see what it's like, you know. Yeah. But they're going it, it, because it's what the market will. Um, it, to me, it's a very bold move from Harley. Yeah, but, but it's a necessary. It's going to be necessary. You know. But again, like I hate the Harley killed Buell. But damn, that thing would be a badass XB, <laughs> yeah. XBE or whatever. Like, yeah, like Buell, I think. Maybe he'll done come back. So much. We'll get him on it the show. Would, it would be we'll, nice. I want to talk to him and see what he's been up to because, like, that's his next thing. Then he's in luck, you know. Um, before this thing goes on too crazy, it's going to be another two-hour episode here. Yeah, I did right. want to talk about a couple things we got coming up here. We've got. I'm not going to do our flat track news because it'll be around. But next week, the the 16th, the Super Prestige is happening. So make sure you're watching TV. How do you guys um, get invited to that? I know Bauman got invited, but dude, JD Beach and Briar Bauman are going this and year. Beaches. Beach is a road racer. Yeah. But he does kill it on a flat track. Oh, dude. Yeah, he's been flat tracking forever, too. And uh, came in third at the freaking Paris. Paris, yeah. I just want to know why no one invited Carver. That dude kills it on a 450. <laughs> I know. I was wondering. I was wondering. Did you see? Uh, I got to give it to Corey Texter being like up to date on the memes. Oh, no. <laughs> he did like a little meme, and American Flat Tracker reposted it, and it was a funny thing. It was like, it was like, Mark Marquez and then me, like those little like, hey, Mark, are you doing the Prestigio this year? Yeah, fam, what's up? And he's like, who's coming from the U.S.? And he's like, oh, J.D. Beach and this Bauman kid. And he's like, Bauman never heard of him. And he's like, oh, here, here's a little video of him at Paris. He's kind of a wrecking ball. And then it's like, Marquez, nah, fam, I'm good. (laughs) I think I'll sit this one out. (laughs) And he got like injured or something, whatever the deal is. I did see that. Uh, Baker got injured. They're two for two right now. Baker's two and Marquez is two. And, I and they're say, both out. And and Baker got injured. He's doing a surgery. And Marquez is like, I mean, this last season for him was pretty crazy, but he just won the championship. And he's like, dude, I just fucking won. Like, I need some, I need some recoup time before I try. And it's kind of like his race, though. Doesn't, yeah. He has to do with putting it on, I think. Yeah, he, or he, he helped to restart it in, in yeah. the 2015 or whatever, 2014, 2013. Whatever. It's, it's the fifth. Their sixth year now, so fifth year now, but that's a, that's the thing. I swear Jared Meese won one too. I swear this is the sixth one, but maybe I, he I could won be the wrong. USA one. Yeah, maybe I'm thinking of that. So they're they're both four and four, Baker and Marquez, and they're both sitting it out this time. So I'm I'm excited for Beach and Bauman um, because they're always at the top. You know, what I mean? yeah. like the Americans are always at the top. Well, um, it is like flat track is an American sport. Like yeah, just because you throw 17s on it doesn't make it any different. <laughs> yeah. Someone needs to invite Greg Hancock. There, well, there's although I don't know if he knows how to use a brake. Yeah, there's gonna be 
like Moto two and three guys, and like I mean, there's going to be guys there that have probably never done it. That's that's what I think is yeah. so crazy. When I just see like Carver being a pretty good singles dude, yeah, and like yeah, he rips it on the which maybe Bauman. I don't know. I I haven't followed Bauman very much, so I don't know how his 450 career went, but. Yeah, you know, I wonder why they don't send any of the singles. The, and I can't the believe AFT singles dudes. I guess maybe we will do the AFT. Well, they kind of get one. Who's that? Oliver Brimley. Is he going to be in the Super Prestige? Yeah, I think so. But he's. I he's, think he gets invited more of the England English, DTRA. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But if you look at the DTRA, like, and mad respects to those guys, like Cobild Anthony, like, and even Sideburn Gary, even though he doesn't really do the DTRA, he just kind of helps and does the Dirtquake thing, like. For being such a young series, like they're putting out some pretty good flat trackers. And I think yeah. Brimley was a prime example of a guy who can come over totally different tracks and really like step it up and learn and and put it, you know, keep up with the Americans on basically yeah. our sport. I saw him on the Super Prestige of the Americas, and right after that he came over. So he must have raced 2016. He must have raced 2016. I and think then this was his first full season. It could have been. It could have been his first full one, yeah. And he, he didn't do too bad. I mean, I saw his name in there a bunch. Yeah. And I was all excited. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be coming up on the 16th. The 9th, which is, is that this weekend? Yeah, the 9th. Yeah. The classic flat track at Willow Springs. I think I might know somebody who's going. Chris might be taking 18 bikes yeah. <laughs> up there. The 10th is the. When you uh, see the van pull up with 17 bikes and one person to ride them all. That's <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, that's Chris. Uh, the 10th is the classic track day. And these are both put on by Ramming Speed. Um, both at Willow. Both at Willow. It's going to be awesome. Um, that's what makes it so rad is that you just you go to one facility. You don't have to drive across. That's actually why I'm doing both yeah. in the same weekend. I'm like, well, I'm already driving up there. Is that Kern County? Is that where that is? You don't have to drive. Basically, what I'm getting at is you don't have to drive I don't from know like Kern County Paris up to like Willow Springs or down to Chuck. They're both at yeah. the same place, so it's pretty awesome. Um, so that's this coming weekend. Um, if you're out there, look for Chris. He'll be number nine probably on everything. Yep. Um, the 16th, uh, like I said, Super Prestigio featuring J.D. Beach and Briar Bauman. It's going to be happening at the uh, Palau San Jordi, I think is what they call the, the the stadium over there. Also, the 16th is the Lucky Wheels Garage. They're having the Good Luck Show. Uh, so go check that out. Also, we might be test riding a... Uh, Ooh, we might get to try a motor car. Yeah, car that weekend. Bike. We'll see. I don't know. A unicycle. Um, December 31st is SoCal Cycle Swap Meet, the last one of the year, because December 31st is the last day of the year. Um, And also the 31st is when the SoCal Norton Owners Club has their Run to the Roses. You get a drive on Colorado Boulevard on your way up to the two, making fun of all the people from out of town camping for five days on the street like a bunch of hobos as they try to get the best. Supposedly that runs right by my house, and we still haven't went and watched it yet. The parade? Yeah. Yeah. I think it starts right in Sierra Madre right there. It Sierra ends, Madre Boulevard. It ends in Sierra Madre. It oh, okay. starts on Orange Grove all the way on the other side by the Arroyo, by the I Rose Bowl. I thought it ended at the Rose Bowl. Uh, it, it starts at the Rose Bowl. Uh, and it turns, goes down Colorado all the way. And then they used to- They come up Sierra Madre? That's where they end all the floats and they pile them up at the high school there and you get to go look at them. Yeah. I, yeah, it's fun. Uh, so the 31st, uh, you could we could do that. Um on the first is going to be what they call New Year, and I don't know if anybody celebrates that, but I'm gonna. Um, the January thirteenth, we have the Veggie Plate Classic. Yeah, uh, that's put on also by uh, the illustrious, uh, beautifully haired and well groomed uh, Chris Wiggins. Uh, if you know the guy, uh, give him a shout out. 
Uh, I don't have a whole bunch of stuff going on for January, but I know there is. I'll get I'll get some stuff together. It's California, so it never rains. We'll, we will have a bunch of events. So we race motorcycles. So if you're not in California, you, we be don't jealous. Have any, we don't have any down build time. Like the like even we really don't, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah, actually, dude, like, Chris Singsheim. I don't even know if it's totally snowing in Wisconsin, but he went out and but he's bought not a riding DR. his motorcycle. Yeah. No, and he rebuilt it in like eleven days, dude. And I was like, yeah, we're gonna because you gonna, fire up the like propane heater in your garage. <laughs> And you have like four layers on. Yeah. And you work on motorcycles with frozen fingers. Yeah. I kind of miss that though. As much as I say that I love California weather, yeah. I miss that. Like, it's downtime. We need it. We need some here. Plus, you can actually have a barn with room in it. <laughs> yeah. Because they have land in those places. Yeah, I know. That's a, a thing. I think he works out of a, a one car storage unit, unfortunately. Poor Chris. He saves his house for his truck. He that's that's the only thing that's allowed in, in his actual house is that that beautiful Dodge of his. Uh, February third, there's another flat track race, I think. Yeah, What's for it? hand shifters. Aha, for hand shifters only. Where's that going to be? Paris flat track again. Okay, I guess it's kind of the veggie plate classic continuing. Part do yeah, yeah part hand shifter. <laughs> uh, February 9th and eleventh, the one show in Portland, Oregon. Are you going to be at that too? I'm. I don't know if I'm going to the show this year, but I am going and racing. Okay, well, do at you- least I'm like ninety nine percent sure I'm going and racing. Um, so if you go to the One Pro Moto show and watch flat track. Your favorite co-host will be there. <laughs> and then uh, the 24th, of course, you heard him on last episode, uh, Rick James. He's having the art ride at Legacy Brewery. Follow him at SAE underscore dot CA on Instagram or art ride CA on Instagram. Uh, it's going to be cool. He's getting a whole bunch of stuff together for that. Not, And it's going to be like music, lots of artists. He's getting all sorts of stuff. We're going to have a, a little interview with him on the next episode. Uh, so that'll be fun. And anything else? Um, yeah, the 24th also, or 23rd, what's the Friday? And the, the Saturday? It's got to be the 23rd, is probably your Saturday. Okay. If you or, are, or Friday, uh, speaking of this frozen tundra of the north in Wisconsin. Is that Mama Tried? Mama Tried oh. and Flat Out Friday. So again, your favorite co-host will be out eating some cheese and racing on some Coke syrup. Oh, yeah, don't or you is know? It, is it soda syrup? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pop. pop. We, we'll think, have to ask Sing Sam about that one. Yeah, I think pop is like if you're in Iowa and soda is probably like Wisconsin. Yeah, and we said Coke in Indiana because in my hometown is where the bottle came from. Oh, yeah, Laverne and Shirley. They were Milwaukee beer, yeah, weren't they? Yeah. <laughs> So we, yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about. Even to this day, like my grandparents were out visiting a while ago, and my grandpa asked for a Coke. Yeah, and the lady's in like, the "Bottle? Well, we we only have a Pepsi." And he's like, "That's fine." Blast him. Like I remember being a kid, like asking for a Coke, and they're like, "It meant we, we only dark have soda." Yeah, yeah, it meant a cola. <laughs> and they're like, "Well, we only have Pepsi. Is that okay?" And I'm like, "Same thing." Isn't that what? You, yeah, that's yeah. What I'm talking about maybe in parts of Indiana, it is the same thing. Yeah, but. Yeah. Yeah, Mama tried, and Flat Out Friday, and Flat Out Friday should be a good time. Like, it's in an arena, and it's a super small track. You can see everything. Yeah, and it's warm in there. You get out of the snow, man. And if you stick around and I make the main event, it might be smoky in there. (laughs) It's kind of becoming my signature move for not winning. Do a big smoky burnout. But I just, like, someone... Do you flip people off and then uh, do a smoky burnout? No, not for that one. Yeah. That's only um, when they point at a winner that didn't really win. Um, and that's, that's only when they run a total shit show. I'm going to quit bringing that up. Uh, um, yeah, that one, I don't, 
I I tried doing it at the first flat out Friday, but I was in the middle of the straightaway and it wouldn't do it because all the Coke syrup. So I've learned you got to go outside of the Coke syrup. Ah, you, you just but, did like a, st- a 12 o'clock wheelie right in place. <laughs> no, I was like up against the wall and I tried doing it and it was just like, I felt like I was going to bend my forks. Yeah. Oh, oh, it was, yeah, that's dude, true. that whole bike was just like, and, and like all of a sudden the back wheel Trusty Rusty's you. a big cast iron lug to like be flexing like that. And I was like, this is sketchy. Wow, your Coke syrup is grippy as yeah. hell. And then, um, but it's cool because like even even today, literally, someone posted a photo from Flat Out. Like, had no idea it was me. Someone, like, I saw it, and then someone DM'd me the photo, too, like, of me, like, doing a big burnout in Milwaukee. Like, there's yeah. photos, like, from, like, the rafters almost, like, the nosebleeds and the smokes, like, going up towards the <laughs> ceiling. And I'm like, people are, like, just loving it. I'm like, oh, maybe I should just keep doing those They're at Flat Out Friday. Turn on the fan. The ventilation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're turn on the fans high. So they just sucked it straight up. But, no, it's a good uh, – it's a cool show. And uh, especially Flat Out Friday, like there's a lot of racing. And I mean, if you live in Milwaukee and it's February, like your choices of racing are Ice Lakes or Flat Out Friday. Yeah. And Whether before, you want to watch or participate. It's yeah. probably full to participate already, though. Yeah, I imagine so. I know it's full for hooligan bikes. Yeah, I am not 100% sure if the uh, Riders on the Norms dudes are going to be there at all. But uh, they last, were last trying year, to, I know. Yeah. Last year and this year, like even before I actually even met you, I covered it because a lot of the SoCal boys were down there. So, yeah, yeah. go check it out. And uh, well, this year, you got a dude in the mix. Yeah, man. We got a co-host. I got to keep my all I gotta keep my good luck up, though. I keep making the main, and this year there's 48 riders. Holy shit. 40. I think it's 48 hooligan riders. And supposedly no pros. We'll see. You need to pay me to go there and mess with some valve caps <laughs> and, like, you know, the valve stems. <laughs> I might uh, have a core tool that might come in handy, like last minute. You know what I mean? <laughs> Who's this guy? His pockets are full. Yeah. <laughs> hey, dude, you, you didn't pass the metal detector. Please go. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> yeah. All right, dudes. Well, have a good uh, show. It's going to be another long one, but yeah, maybe. Thanks for sticking around for two hours for us to talk about positive and negative electrons. Yeah. You know what? Uh, in the past, we talked for three hours, and I edited it down to an hour and a half. But I'm going to let this one ride, man. I think we did a uh, pretty pretty uh, electrifying, a pretty shocking job. Oh. All right. All right. Peace and grease. Let's take it from the top. Right. It that, probably goes... That was your sign off. <laughs> we just drank a beer, which was not really responsible to go, go down the street. Saturday, February 20th. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. I screwed it up. It's 24th. Check, check, one, two on a lavalier mic coming in hot into this mix. Listen up, folks. We got Christmas Hanukkah Kwanzaa Festivus coming up here pretty soon. And if you need a gift for that motorcyclist in your life, I implore you to go, nay, I command you, you must go check out dailybikers.com or dailybikerstore.com. Daily Biker Dan has you covered. If you like the artwork that you saw at Twisted Throttles and you like the artist that we talked to there, you got to check out Dan's artwork. He puts it on just about everything. And uh, like I said, he's got you covered if you're a motorcyclist. Thanks, Dan. Happy Mirror Hansa Kwanzaa Festivus. Does that sound weird next year? Now, and then I'll just tell you uh, what to say. This is laugh mic number two. I can't monitor this one, so if it sounds like crap, I apologize. 
but listen, guys, I want to let you know if you want to contact the show, you can find us uh, at www.creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com or you can find us at Creative Writing Podcast on Instagram, at Creative Writer on Twitter, Creative underscore Writer on Twitter. And you can always check us out at Creative Writing Podcast on Facebook and www.creative-writing.tumblr.com or the web, www.creative-writing.com. See you out there. All right, perfect.